0: Bring it in. The read option back. Get you ready for a long weekend in football. Get excited. Lots going on. A lot of stuff to watch. A lot of stuff to stay locked into. Uh, But before we can get into, into any of that, this has been an eventful week in the sports world to say the least so we're going to do a little bit different today we're going to go a little bit longer in our first segment to kind of cover everything i got a rant about my alma mater which you are not going to want to miss uh obviously college wall playoff rankings came out and aaron Rodgers, odell beckham jr there's just a lot of stuff so we're going to get to all that and then we're going to get into our games and our picks and for the second time this week we got a full house got a full house scotty and Vito here Vito changing cities again from Monday because it's just he's never in the same place for longer than a day. Uh that but is he man, can Vito. be
1: in the same place uh at the same time. So, or two places at the same time.
0: So that is true. That is true. Uh, very good point. But boys, how are we? How is everybody? Vito got a couch. I, I'm good.
2: I got a couch, man. I've been waiting on this for three months. If anyone is ordering anything, supply chains wild right now. I actually just heard fun fact. Uh, I work in construction, we work on shipments and everything. But where I'm getting at is the port of LA, Long Beach, all this stuff is so backed up. Order your Christmas presents soon. I never thought I'd say that in November. The backup is getting crazier and crazier right now. They can't even unload ships fast enough. So get your Christmas presents and start thinking about it.
0: Wow. There we go. In fact, we I didn't had Heather gave such a ship. We had Heather <laughs> Dinich on our show like a month ago. And uh, she had said that she's so crazy. She, this is like a yearly thing, not even due to the like normal. Like She was already done her Christmas shopping a month ago. That's crazy. I'm not that person. I don't think we are those people. <laughs> no, nope. definitely not. I'm the kind of person who just forgets to get Christmas gifts. Yeah, I go to
2: Target right. the day before
0: and I'm like, what would people like? What's, <laughs> What's a nice left? scarf? <laughs> Got a table runner here. Do you need one of those? Uh, yeah, that's that's the kind of guy I am. Here's a
1: basketball, guy. <laughs> I don't play basketball. Too bad. <laughs> uh, Scotty, how are you, bud? I'm good, man. Halloween came and went. Just yeah. like that. We're in November.
0: Yeah. It's, it's mean, crazy a, that we're already in November.
1: What a whirlwind of a year, huh? Worldwind.
0: 2021 it's,
1: seemed faster than 2020, which is weird.
0: <laughs> it's honestly... I the last year and a half has has just been a blur. It's crazy that we're almost at two years. Like, November of 19 was when the very first reports of COVID came out out of, out of China. So, like, we're already – it's it's nuts, man. It's just – it's been the longest two years and simultaneously the fastest two years, I think, of my life. Yeah. And I feel, like, I feel like you can say that as you get older anyway. Like, the years just go by quicker yeah, and quicker. But-, but this is obviously uh, a bit of a, a special circumstance to – Oh, maybe, yeah. To maybe put it. Um, another fun thing, though, this weekend, I'll I'll be attending my first Penn State game.
1: Yeah. This
0: weekend. No way. Right. Yeah. I will be at the Penn State-Maryland game. Uh, oh, one of our- oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Away. Oh, I forgot. We've had yeah. this conversation on the podcast. we did. I forgot. My bad. My Come bad. Come on. Uh, but I was I'll, excited. I'll be going with one of our OG and uh, one of our biggest fans, one of our OG listeners, one of our biggest fans, Ryan Kakaiko. Shout out to Ryan. Shout out. Yeah. Uh, dude's a legend. You guys met Ryan at my sister's wedding. Yes, uh, yes. I did Ryan, indeed. Ryan's an awesome dude. So looking forward to that. It's going to be a fun weekend and we got a lot of stuff going on. But as I alluded to in the open, uh, we got some stuff we got to talk about. So Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers test, yeah. <laughs> test positive for COVID yesterday, right? The reports come out. And then you see the whole like he's going to be missing for at least 10 days. Which is the protocol for unvaccinated players? Now, if you remember over the summer, right? It was a question. First time players are talking to the media, training camp and whatnot. Uh, that people were talking to, you know, getting all these players are getting asked. You know, are you vaccinated? Are you willing to share if you're vaccinated? That kind of stuff. And Aaron Rodgers slide it. You know, slid in a, a casual little. Uh, I'm immunized. Which, when you look up the definitions between immunized and vaccinated, it's more or less the same thing. But he was trying to be like a lawyer about it. He was like kind of using his words specifically. Well, it turns out Aaron Rodgers is not vaccinated, hmm. and instead Aaron Rodgers used a uh, an alternative method of a so you know so-called vaccination, and he appealed to the league. He appealed to the NFLPA to get it approved as considered vaccinated he was denied uh what is not, that
1: holistic medicine
0: honestly that's what it sounded like uh, i have not looked up what it was i don't know if it was the uh the stuff they were telling people down in florida to shoot up into their, their arms I, I don't know what he got <laughs>
2: the um, there's yeah. some powerful herbs out there my brothers uh you know you never know
0: yeah yeah, I mean, we—I think we've all learned that Aaron Rodgers has kind of become like a little little hippie-ish in his older yeah. age, right? You know, he's yeah. out—you know—cliff jumping with Miles Teller over the summer and having his whole life ahead of him. Um, maybe a little bit of a, a midlife crisis for our guy A. Rod, but bottom line is he's not vaccinated. Which, look, at the end of the day, if you choose not to get vaccinated, you choose not to get vaccinated. That's fine, but it—it it then all of these videos and pictures and everything surface of him on the sidelines during preseason games where unvaccinated players were required to be wearing masks. He was not wearing masks. He was traveling on the same planes and the same, you know, there's a whole nother subset of rules for unvaccinated players that Aaron Rodgers was violating without any sort of fines, without any sort of punishment. Um, And again, I'm not trying to sit here and play FBI detective and go back and, and dig through all the pictures and say, Oh, there were 17 times he should have been fine. Whatever. Like I'm sure the NFL will at some point do this, but the NFL knew. The NFL knew he wasn't vaccinated. The Packers knew he wasn't vaccinated. The only people that didn't know were the public, but it also now goes back to this whole thing, which we talked about before the season with the Cole Beasley stuff, which is like, if you get vaccinated, if you are unvaccinated and you catch COVID you are screwing your team over substantially. And we're seeing it happen right now with the New York Giants who had 13 players or 12 players and one coach who all tested positive initially for COVID, only one of which was unvaccinated. And And, and that's
1: Cole Beasley and a New York Giants team who's not very good now. This is a different level with
0: a superstar. This is Aaron Rodgers. This is the MVP of the league last year. So it completely changes what would have been arguably the best game of the week. Between the Packers and the Chiefs, even though the Chiefs, you know, they, you know, skated by on the skin of their teeth on Monday night against the Giants. But, boys, I'm just, I'm blown away by this whole story. And I'm not going to say, again, sit here and, and look at it from the whole, like, moral police standpoint. But it's, it's unreal. It's just crazy. It, it's crazy. The, the almost double standard, I guess, that he gets as an, as, as Aaron Rodgers compared to Cole Beasley, who was roasted, you know, at the Yeah, it, It's just a whole nother set of, of circumstances. It's weird. And I don't know, how do you guys feel about this right now? Cause I'm sitting here kind of like, I don't really know. I don't really know how to feel about it. Other than I'm, I was just shocked when I heard the news.
2: I think that's the right answer. It's just like, well, wait, what? Like it's, it, when you just said it, so so for everyone on the pod, what I what I love about some weeks is I'm crazy busy. And, and this was a news story I didn't even know about until Jeff just told me. And my initial reaction was, wait, what What does that mean? Like Scott said, I don't even know what immunized or whatever that word was, man. And then the fact that like, yeah, he, he probably didn't follow any of the regulations, just said screw it. And, and no one really cares or they're starting to care or maybe not. I just got to say, like, for a lot of us and I, I fall in this camp. So it's not right or wrong. I'm just saying I'm over a lot of this stuff. Like I'm over COVID. I follow the rules. I fly, I travel, I wear a mask, I vaccinate, I do everything I'm told to do. Uh, do I run into people that don't? Yeah. All the time. And it's frustrating and it's more frustrating because it's just like, this is a serious thing. Follow the rules, just get on with it. It's not that difficult, right? Like it's just not. And, and maybe to some it is. And, and some people have a bigger reason why they don't, but, I just get a little frustrated. Like just follow the fucking rules and, and do your shit. Like I, it's that I get, I, you can tell you get frustrated when I start swearing oh. and that's, that's one of them. But like, you know, hopefully what this means is that, you know, first of all, hopefully he's okay. And, and like, it's not bad or anything like that. And, and hopefully he can get back to playing football, but I also hope everyone else in the locker room is good and, and everything is family. You know, I'm more concerned about like, them getting over it, he, he messed up. He's going to miss a football game. His team's affected. Um, that's, that's the reality he has to live with.
1: Yeah. So I, I mean, I just have three main points. <clears throat> Number one is um, that I, I, I hope he's okay. Right. And from a, a vaccination standpoint, and this is the only thing I'll talk about from, from a morality point of view is, and I've said this before on the podcast. If a team doctor prescribes you something to help with your pain or something that helps you g- gain a, a competitive advantage within a, a legal uh, way, uh, you ask no questions about it. If you're a player. Now where is the time that we're going to start asking questions about what we're putting in our body. I, I, I can't deal with that argument. It's stupid and, and I, I won't listen to it anymore. That's, that's it. I'm stepping off that soapbox. Number two is I hope he's okay. Uh, and his family's okay because I believe he just got married or or is engaged and has, uh, I believe if I, my information is correct, that his wife slash and or fiance is, uh, Shailene Woodley is pregnant. Um, and so I
0: didn't know that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, so I, I don't, I don't know that you're putting yourself in the best position to, um, to help. And even if she's not putting, putting yourself in the best position to, uh, to help your family, uh, I'll have to double check that information, but still I, in any case, you're not putting yourself in, in a position to help you or your family, uh, through, uh, this pandemic. And then number three is, uh, and this is what really bothers me from, uh, from not a, an on the field football standpoint, but from, from a, a team sports standpoint is that he spent all summer holding out on a contract, uh, and, and then telling the the organization and, and the players who he may or may not have been playing with to, to have accountability and, and be, uh, uh you know, mindful of, of their actions and, and all this stuff to, to help the, and then when he signed, it was, it was all about helping doing everything we can to help the team win because, uh, because now the, the savior is back. Well, I'm sorry, but not getting vaccinated, uh, in this scenario, and then lying about it to boot, as we just found out, uh, is, is not a way to, to hold yourself accountable as a superstar in the league and the leader of your team, nor is it a way to uh, to help your team succeed by doing whatever you can. So I, I, it, it's a bad look. It really is. Uh, but Aaron Rodgers is smart enough to, I think, to get himself
0: uh, back in the right
1: mindset, I hope. I don't know.
0: Yeah. So to confirm, Shailene Woodley is not pregnant
1: okay either way Uh,
0: yeah but your point is still valid in that like to protect the people around you and and everyone else including yourself like the vaccine part of it does still play a role in there um yeah i mean i from a football perspective right because ultimately this is something we we talked about like how is this going to affect teams we we talked about how tight the nfc you know as a whole is and and how home field advantage is going to you know play a role into this and Going to Lambeau in the wintertime is not a fun place to go and try to win a football game. And yeah, Tom Brady went and did it last year, but it wasn't easy. You know, that, that, that game was not like, we're not talking about an absolute blowout there, even though I I would say that Tampa Bay won that game relatively handily. Um, I I just think too, like it's 10 days, assuming if he, if he tests uh, negative today, he still wouldn't be eligible to play next weekend or I guess tomorrow. So, He's missing at least two. And this is where the, the whole argument of getting vaccinated. And I remember Vito, you and I had this whole debate about, you know, the difference that being sorry, there's a dog barking outside. <laughs> I don't know if you guys can hear that or not. There's yeah. not a we're not murdering small children in my house. There's, there's no one's getting be on hurt. the podcast. There, yeah. Yes, there is a dog just aggressively barking outside. All right. They've passed. Um, it sounded like a squeaky door. Yeah. You know, I was like, what is going on? Um, but no, from a football standpoint, this is going to hurt them. And now look, they drafted Jordan Love, right? They drafted a guy in the first round who we're finally going to get to say, see play meaningful games. We're going to get a chance to see him go out and play a game that matters. They're playing a bad defense in Kansas city who admittedly looked better than we, you know, than, than we thought in the previous weeks going up against the giants on Monday night. But If the NFC is as tight as it is, dropping two games, if they lose, or even dropping one of these two games, could end up being a huge, huge impact on where the Packers end up in a loaded NFC. And I'm telling you right now, the Packers would rather be hosting a playoff game and and secure that home field advantage at the playoffs, which I still think when all the cards are on the table, I'm betting on Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady over any of the other teams in the NFC. So I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll see how how it turns out. But I'm excited to watch Jordan Love play. I think it'll be fun. I think it'll be fun. Um, The other bit of NFL news here, Odell Beckham Jr. and his dad. We all we all need a dad. I hope everyone's dad is as much of of a fan of us and, and all of you as Odell Beckham Jr.'s dad is to him. Because that video that he put out showing baker mayfield missing like a couple of wide open plays from from odell i was my first thought was i could easily make the same video of all the times odell beckham has been blanketed in coverage and not gotten any separation this year so so, it's like when he gets drops (laughs) yeah Yeah, yeah all the drops yeah let's go through and look up the seven drops he has this year and let's make a compilation video of that um but now he hasn't practiced in two dates and not for a medical reason. He didn't get traded at the deadline. So it's not a medical reason. He's not out for you know for rest or for anything like that. It's no, he's just like apparently an agreed upon mutual coming together of Odell Beckham and the Browns, where he's being held out of practice. But the trade deadline's passed. So they're not gonna get anything for him. The best that Odell can hope for is that they're gonna cut him. And then he'll try to clear waivers. I I don't necessarily know what the future holds. There's just wild speculation on both parts. Like I saw Dan Orlowski saying like he should, uh, you know, the Browns should cut him with the exemption that he can't sign with any other team in the division, which is like, that's ridiculous. You can't ask a player to do that. Yeah. Um, But at the same time, they, i think they tried to trade him and they couldn't find a partner for it he obviously is on a relatively big contract so you factor in the salary cap and how much of that cleveland would have to eat in order to even move on from him while there's still a team that could make a run to the playoffs with how wide open the afc is so i guess two questions for you guys does odell beckham jr end up finishing the season as a brown and then b if he does move where would you want to see him go to
2: cool man, I think he does end with the Browns. I, I think he sticks this out. This is an issue. But listen, this happens to a lot of this. We see this happen to a lot of players. The only one I can think of where they sat out and they like it kind of worked out, quote unquote, was when Carson Palmer. Do you remember mm-hmm. when he like just sat out and was done and then they got yeah. rid of him? But then like it didn't work out for his career. And like objectively, it would have been better if he played, but there, yeah, he went was to a, the
0: Raiders, and then he, had, yeah. and he left after a year or two, and then ended up going to Arizona, which he, he played well in Arizona. I mean, that he one did. of their teams won fourteen to two, but yeah, none, I, the, but I, like yeah, it wasn't necessarily a huge step. Yeah,
2: agreed. And so, so I think like when I think about this, a lot, especially with skill players, like a lot of times you hear about this. The deadlines pass, like you said, I bet they end up just cooler heads will prevail. Give it some time. But I do agree. I lo- I love the fact that his dad's putting the site out, and and I just want to give a shout out to my dad, whose birthday is tomorrow. So when this hey. comes out today, happy oh, birthday, dad! Happy birthday, Papa Vito,
0: Papa Vids, Papa Vito, Papa Vito, Papa Vito. <laughs> That's gonna live on forever. The Scott Hansen references will, will never will never die. Uh, Scotty, where where do you want to see Odo Beckham go? Uh,
1: I would like to see him go to a contender. Um, I'm going to say the Buffalo Bills. I don't That's know why. That's interesting. Just, it jumped out to me as, as a place where, where they can send him. He's not in the division, uh, so he's not going to like Baltimore or anything who desperately needs receiver help. Um,
0: but if he gets cut? Like, is that the thing? Because that's the only way he's gonna be. If he if he doesn't end up a brown, he's gonna basically right. choose wherever he wants to go, unless someone claims him in waivers. Dude. But again, with the contract <laughs> stuff, that's so, a problem.
2: So I have a question you claim, for you, Jeff.
0: Yeah, go ahead. If yeah, if someone
2: claims him, that's exactly where I was going. I'm sorry to cut you off there. Because no, if know. Same if, thing. if let's say the Rams, because I I'm wearing my Von Miller jersey, uh, my Broncos Von Miller jersey. I don't like think he's wearing 40, by the way. Anyway, um, let's say the Rams want to get him. How much are they paying? Is it a new contract? Do they no, absorb you pick, it?
0: So that's what the issue is, right? So if, if he's trying to clear waivers, the contract still exists, which is why like Deshaun Jackson today cleared waivers. Because even though he's only getting paid like, I think, $2 million or whatever, $3 million, whatever he was getting from the Rams, that's more than any of the teams, which I'm sure he will end up signing somewhere. You have to take on that contract. So for Odell, hmm. which I don't know what the salary is for this year, my guess is probably in that like seven to eight million dollar range somewhere in that ballpark. Um, we maybe we can have stats and info looked out. I'm up, checking right? it now, yeah. Uh but uh Zach Parker, our stats and info guy. Um That's right. <laughs> but <laughs> if I if I could, right, if 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 Odell ends up clearing in your team, then you can sign him for whatever you know league minimum you'd want. What's he making? Fourteen point five million. Wow. So even oh more my than I God. Thought. Yeah. So, so <laughs> yeah. Part of that money would then uh, part of that fourteen point eight million or whatever it was the Browns would have to pay, right? Because some of that's going to be considered dead money. Plus you're talking about future dead money on the Browns part. So from a business decision standpoint, it's not really a great decision on the Browns, which is obviously why they were reluctant to try to, you know, to cut him. But it's also probably why they had trouble trading him because you're, you're taking on that much money, which we talked about with Von Miller, right? Von Miller gets traded $8 million of the $9 million he's owed this year. The Broncos are still paying. So the Broncos are still paying the majority of that, but the Broncos are kind of like, hey, you know what? Like we want to give him some, you know, someone else. We got good compensation back, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't think the Browns who are still in contention, who still think that they can make the playoffs, which I also do as well. And I think they also want to keep Odell. Um, mm-hmm. They're not going to want to pay $13 million of his salary this year for him to go somewhere else. So if it cuts him, he would more than likely clear waivers, unless a really bad team with a lot of cap space would be willing to take that on. But then again, Odell at that point, I guess becomes a free agent after this year because he, or someone could try to sign him to a longer term deal, maybe two yeah, years with you got know, six million dollars, whatever it is. I just don't think anybody wins in any of these scenarios. The only no. winner would be Odell clearing waivers, oh, going Baker. where he wants, <laughs> but he would also lose a substantial amount of money because he wouldn't get the full 14 million that he would get from the Browns this year. No,
1: he would be I, a rental. I agree as well. Like, I, and the only team I could, a team's group of teams I could see would be someone who's in contention. That is like, eh, what can we do on the waiver wire to bolster our, our
2: wide receivers? Man, if if you went to Arizona, I would free. That would be the best.
1: That
2: would be sick. Team. Well, so, <laughs> I can see LA. LA was a good call, Vito.
0: But LA's already got Robert Woods, and Cooper money. Cup, and Van Jefferson. Like, they already have all these guys. Like, honestly, the team that it's a shame that their quarterback just got hurt, but the team that would have used them would be New Orleans.
2: Yeah, especially about, Ma-
0: Michael Thomas man. announced that he's out for the year. Yeah. What about what like
2: honestly, what about the Packers?
0: The Packers would be interesting too, right? Um, the Packers would be really interesting. Uh, uh but but yeah, it's I, just I do, a weird, it's just a
2: weird scenario. It is. I and, and I'm gonna give a, here's my NFL history uh lesson of the day here because they're my favorite player, one of my favorite players of all time is mean Joe Green, right from the Steelers. And he infamously had a moment in 1974, it was the year they won the Super Bowl, their first Super Bowl, and he walked out of the locker room and left and, and it was just like, I'm done. I'm done with this team. Their offense was shit. And their defense was playing. I mean, they're the steel curtain. They're the yep. best defense, in my opinion, of all time. So, mm. like, That sounds familiar. He ends, up, he ends up walking away and, and, and leaving. And, and he always said this famously, cooler heads prevailed, you know? He's walking out the room and he said, man, I sure hope in reflection now, he said, man, I was thinking like, I don't know what I was thinking. And he says that famously. Then he says, I really hope that someone was going to come out there and stop me. And they didn't. And he laughed and it was this whole turmoil at the time, which in the 70s, it's it's in a paper in a column later on. It's not like now it's blown up on Twitter and Instagram yeah, and totally all these sports world. networks. Yeah, so- but it had an effect on his team. And I think the team knew that like, hey, we need to all put our shit together and get this together to to, to win because his was about winning. And I hope that's what Odell's, you know, whatever this is, is about. I hope it's like, hey, the Browns are underperforming. This will happen with an underperforming team. Joe Green went back and won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Does Odell go back and they win the Super Bowl? I don't know. But I'm just saying that like, this happens with elite players that we think of as legends of the game. So I don't want, like to me this doesn't change the way i think about odell i think this happens a little more often it's just sometimes it blows up sometimes it doesn't
0: i i just i don't think odell's good anymore like i and and not to say that he couldn't be productive somewhere but he's if odell's but if odell's expecting to be odell from the giants like dude you're not that you're not that guy pal like you're not he's not that dude anymore right and mm. and not necessarily his own fault like the guys had What three very serious injuries including a torn ACL he had that horrific ankle injury only about a year and a half ago so you know I I empathize to a certain degree I'm like I get it dude like you were a star like now you're you're not that guy like you're trying to figure fight your way back but at at this point what is Odell Odell's a a good number two receiver but in his mind he's still the guy who made one of the most incredible catches in NFL history he's you know he's still that guy And, and He's just not, he's not Odell anymore. He's not the dude who, when he catches a ball on a quick slant, takes it 80 yards. Like as an Eagles fan, every time we'd play the Giants with Odell, every little freaking quick slant from Eli Manning, I was expecting him to take it to the house. Cause that's just how elite and electric he was. He's just not that stage of his career anymore. And I think at some point, and this is why I think the Browns and their front office is very smart. I think they're doing what you said, Vito, it's cooler heads, right? It's Hey, let's take a deep breath. Take a couple days away from practice you know, let's figure out a solution here because we're paying you this money. We want you to be a part of our team. I do believe when Odell's healthy, he makes the team better, but we just haven't seen it right now. And, you know, it's weird when you see superstars, you know, start to age out, but that's what we're seeing with Odell. Um, All right, let's switch gears to college football. We talked at length on, uh, at the end of, of Tuesday's pod about the college football playoff rankings, and we all did our predictions. So I asked you guys to hold on to them. Do you still have? Them? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Um, so the college football playoff, the first rankings came out, and uh, we're going to take a little time here. We're going to roll through them uh, as we stand. I got to pull pull them up here on on ESPN's website, but we will run through uh, the college football playoff rankings. So the top six, I going from one to six. I had Georgia, Bama, Oklahoma, Michigan State, Cincinnati, and Ohio State. Scotty, you had
1: Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan
0: State, and five and six were
1: uh Cincinnati and Oklahoma.
0: Okay, and Vita, oh my god, I'm trying to find
2: mine. I know I have it here. Give me one second. It's in a <laughs> you had
1: Michigan State at three because you nailed it. I remember I, that.
2: No, I think I had them at two. I had, I, yeah. I know I had Georgia at one, Michigan State at two. Um, I would have gone all undefeated here. So then I would have gone. I think you had Oklahoma at three. I, yeah. Then um, no, Cincinnati three, Oklahoma four, four. and then you had um, Bama. and then I had Bama, and then Wake Forest. Wake Forest was your fifth,
0: your sixth. So yeah, that, I remember that, you uh, had Wake Forest up there. Yeah. Uh, so in a weird way, we all hit certain things accurately on it, right? So the top six that came out: Georgia, Alabama. Michigan State, Oregon, Ohio State, and Cincinnati. Uh, I, was really, I was really surprised by a few things. I was surprised and then not super surprised. So I was running our, like, live ranking show, and, and mm-hmm. I was getting the feed actually a little bit ahead. I was trying to text you guys when it came out to give you guys the insight. I was like, Ooh. yeah. I was like, I'm on like, we're like 30 seconds ahead of everything. I want to let you know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, Oregon being ahead of Ohio State is significant now but I don't think it's going to be significant in the long run, right? The head-to-head matchup. None of us had Oregon in our top six uh, because that loss to Stanford is, you know, is is a bad loss. Egregious.
2: It's egregious.
0: They didn't play well in the game. In the game, like,
2: I watched that. I just just didn't think it was great.
0: They did not play well. Their offensive coordinator was in the hospital, went to the hospital that morning, Joe Moorhead, who you guys know very well, and is one of the best – Play callers mm-hmm. and offensive coordinators in all of college football. So to say it's an egregious okay. loss on the road in a weird place to play, uh, when I, half of your starting lineup was out as well and got hurt in the game, I will push back and saying that's not it's not a good loss. It's a bad loss. But there are worse losses that we've seen, right? Ohio State getting blown out by Iowa, right? Like games like that, um, mm-hmm. or Purdue, whoever it was a couple of years ago. Uh, yeah, but. Purdue. The reason it's significant, at least right now, is that the committee is valuing the head-to-head matchup more than I thought they were going to. I thought Ohio State, no matter what, was going to be ranked ahead of Oregon, but no, they said like the head-to-head matchup here still matters, even though Oregon's loss to Stanford is, is worse than Ohio State losing to Oregon, which I commend the committee, you know, for, for doing that. I think that's that's a good thing. However, Ohio State has enough firepower left on the rest of their, their schedule that. I think as we get closer and closer, Ohio State will leapfrog Oregon at some point. But if Ohio State keeps winning, they'll kind of drag Oregon into the top four with them because you can never separate them more than assuming Oregon wins out and finishes with one loss. You can never have them separated by more. They kind of have to be right next to each other no matter how the rankings end up coming out, assuming Ohio State wins out the rest of the way.
2: I agree. I think that they're very much tied at the hip. And especially like you said, Oregon has to win out. Even if Ohio State drops one to a good opponent, like to a Michigan state, it's still okay. You know what I mean? But um I agree. I think if they're undefeated, they have a chance to hop. But that that to me, I did love that Oregon was ahead of Ohio State. That meant a lot to me as a fan, realizing like the committee said uh, many years ago when they put out the criteria, head-to-head matters, and we've seen it matter and not matter. And I'm glad this year, at least initially, I'm very happy to see that Oregon was ahead of Ohio State.
1: Yeah, to me, it just – I've i have watched this playoff process long enough where I'm like, ah, they're just setting it up so that they can get Ohio State. They're on the outside looking in. They've got the loss against Oregon, but BFD, at the end of the day, they're going to be like, oh, Ohio State beat uh, four top – or three top ten ranked teams, uh, and four top twenty five ranked teams in their division, and then won the conference, and so that's yeah. And that's they a, and at Ohio that point, state.
0: yeah, they would deserve to do it. Yeah, Which exactly. Fine, yeah. But like well, then I don't understand then Scotty, put why, them
1: there now. Scotty, no, but they don't a, deserve you're a, that. You're yeah. a college
0: football playoff conspiracy theorist. You are. You're like you're like a QAnon believer, but for the college football playoff. Like you you think that like the committee sits there and they go, okay, let's figure out every single way. That we can possibly get Ohio State, Georgia, and Alabama, those three in Oklahoma. Let's figure out a way to do that. But you know what spits in the face of that, Scotty? Oklahoma's undefeated and they're at eight. So clearly yeah. that's not the truth, right? And on top of it, too, Ohio State is fucking good. And Ohio State is ranked oh, behind. I'm not denying Oregon that right they now.
1: shouldn't be there. Yeah, I put them in my top four.
0: But you, but put like, in, you put them you put in the top four because you think that the committee's like secretly trying to figure out ways to just always put them in, or maybe Ohio State is just one of the top four teams in the country, which by the yeah. way, right now they're ranked at five. I, I'd
1: love to see them against Georgia. That's a 59 and nothing game.
0: I don't think that's true oh, at all. I don't, know. I don't think so either. I don't think that's true at all. Oklahoma I hope we short. get to see that. I would Ohio love a- State Georgia. No, not at all. I don't think that's 59 nothing, not even close. I,
2: I'm excited to see. I hope they get to four and that and one, and they so, get to, that's a game where we get to see because I'd love to see that spread. I put it at 14 points.
0: Completely agreed. Completely Ooh, agreed. Yeah. Now where Ooh. I where I get a little bit college football playoff conspiracy theory ish is with Cincinnati. So Cincinnati gets yes. put at six. All right. Yeah. that was and, Crap. And I I went into it thinking they're not going to put them in the top four. They're going to put them at five. I thought they would at least give them the give them five. Right, because then even so, if Ohio State wins or whatever, I had Ohio State at six, then Ohio State would leapfrog Cincinnati with those wins, and that would be the justification. What's the most messed up part about this, and where I get a little conspiracy theory here, is that we're seeing in the first college football playoff matchup, BYU with two losses is at 15 Fresno State with two losses is at 23. And San Diego State with a loss is at 24. And there is yeah. no SMU and there is no Houston, which I think if you pulled and look at the AP poll, which is over a hundred voters, right? More than over a hundred voters. It's from all it's over all the country voting this. SMU's at 23 and Houston's at 20, right? There it's is all no tied together. Fresno State <laughs> is at 25. All right, there is San Diego State isn't even because in the top beat, 25 there. So the because whole Because they beat UCLA. Hold up, Scotty. Hold up, Scotty. Hold up, Scotty. Hold up, Scotty. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying here is that UCLA isn't even like UCLA's 4 and 4 right now. All right, but so they played Oregon. <laughs> uh, shut up, Scotty. <laughs> Let me freaking talk. Okay? All right. I'm trying to say what you're saying, but you're interrupting. Okay? They did that on purpose. They left out SMU and Houston on purpose. There is no way that if you sit down and look at the, the group of five teams that deserve to be in the top 25, that Fresno State, who played a tough game against Oregon, and like, hey, credit to them, right? And Fresno State has one win over a power five team. And by the way, just lost last weekend when you saw Houston and SMU, SMU who was undefeated in a Houston team that has looked really good all year, with the exception of one game. The fact that neither one of them is in the top isn't in the top 25 is screwing Cincinnati over. Because now since, now Cincinnati has no top 25 teams left as of right now. It's not to say that SMU or Houston couldn't creep up there in the few, in the coming weeks, but right now Cincinnati doesn't have other top 25 teams for them to be able to add to their resume, which just, I'm not saying that they did it on purpose, but it, it really does feel like it was intentional. I get pissed because
2: just look at, when you look at the resume of those last four or five teams in the top 25 by the college football playoff committee, I would take SMU or Houston over any of them. And that's where I get frustrated is because there is this perception by this committee. And, and when you look at who makes up this committee, right, it's a lot of people from, um, and and when I say this, I haven't looked at the exact list this year, but it's a lot of folks, right? Like you think of like um, uh, the old dude at, at uh, um, Wisconsin, he has been Barry there forever.
1: Alvarez, yeah, yeah, yeah Alvarez.
2: like Alvarez is on it and stuff like that. So you, you think of these guys who have been around forever, girls, uh, um, these men and women who, who know the sport, but what I'm wondering is there a little bit of not bias in terms of a conference here, conference there. I think that works itself out. I mean, the power five versus non-power five. And we've seen that recently, 100%. right? And I just think that there needs to be some kind of this is the year that when you look at that objectively, it doesn't make any sense because yeah. it happened last year, even with with uh, the Sunbelt. The Sunbelt was incredible. And and there was nobody in the college co- of coast, players, even coast, coast.
0: Yeah, I mean. And, and and coastal was up at ranked as high as I think like thirteen before they they lost that game to yeah, BYU but, or yeah, maybe coastal BYU, app remember.
2: state uh, the raging Cajuns like there are some teams uh, even even Arkansas State who had that great win against um, Oklahoma right or no they beat Kansas State who beat Oklahoma and that, yeah. that was the whole deal but they had a lot of that conference had a lot of wins against Power Five teams and what I would like to see I mean you even look at the at the American um, SMU did their part right so did like. And so did uh so did Cincinnati being Notre Dame. I just I think that when you look at this, you gotta realize, look at the interconference play. And I don't know what's going on with the committee when they're talking about that because I just think they're undervaluing the Americans so much. And I just don't understand the disrespect. I don't they get value
0: it. they value playing a full schedule, a full conference schedule of group of, of power five teams substantially more than only playing one or two a year. Right. Which is, which is the, the big holdback between the group of five versus the power five. But what really pissed me off here is that in this first initial ranking, which doesn't involve projecting, it's just everything they, that they've done up to now, Gary Barda, the, the uh, committee chair for the college football playoff committee said, when you look, and, and this was part of his justification for why they had Cincinnati at six, he goes, when you look at Cincinnati, And you look at, you know, they had that great win against a top 10 team in Notre Dame. And he goes, well, who else have they played? And you can literally say that about every other freaking team in the top 10. You can say the same thing about Michigan State. And the one common opponent between Michigan State and Cincinnati, (laughs) the one common opponent between Michigan State and Cincinnati is Indiana, which Cincinnati beat on the road by multiple touchdowns. And it was a five-point game when Michigan State played them at home. And yet Michigan State is there. They're both undefeated. And Mich- I would argue that beating Michigan closely versus beating Notre Dame at Notre Dame by 10-plus points. Beating Notre Dame by plus 10 points after, by the way, Michigan State was losing. They were down 16. And I'll credit them for coming back. But that win in Notre Dame versus a home win against Michigan where you had to come back from down 16, that win was more impressive for Cincinnati. Oh, and, yeah. And even still – And to your point, Scotty, right? Who has Alabama played? Well, they've beaten Ole Miss. They've beaten Mississippi State, both of which are ranked in the top uh, 17 right now. They're going to have a chance to beat Auburn. They they lost to Texas A&M, who right now is at 14. So you say, all right, well, they have two top 25 wins as of right now for the first college football playoff committee. But Mississippi State also lost to Memphis, who's in eighth place in the fucking American. So oh, like, what, like, what are that. we, like, what are we like that? <laughs> and that's where the bias and everything I agree with you, Scotty comes in, but Texas A&M also beat, uh, or sorry, Mississippi state also beat Texas A&M. And Mississippi state has also also just beat Kentucky, right? So there are quality wins and I'll, I'll say this, and I will challenge any college football fan who listens to this pod to go and, and try to rank the top 25 teams yourself. Cause it is fucking hard. You get past the yeah. top, like eight. And it's even so that, much harder yeah. than you think. So then, when we, when we criticize, like, oh, yeah, this team at fourteen versus the other one we have at seventeen, it's freaking hard. All right, it it's is. not an easy task. My but but to leave thing- out SMU and Houston to me is just is just that was my biggest gripe with the whole the whole thing. I thought Wake Forest was given the right spot. I thought Oklahoma was actually given the right spot. That's where I would have had both of those teams. Um, even though I I thought that they would reward Oklahoma and they didn't. So there's things I that I liked from the committee, but there's a lot that I didn't like. Final thoughts I, and we'll move on to the last thing.
2: Yeah, I, I I agree with everything you said about what happened with the American Conference. The one other thing I really didn't like, I know both you guys called it, I don't like BAM at two. I just don't think that right now, looking at them play and their body of work, not what we think they'll do, not just what the results have been on the field. In my opinion, I think it's, I think that it's a very big mistake to put out there that that's the second best team in the country. When you have this many teams that have looked way better across all of their games and not a ton, right? Not like, Oh, we've killed everybody, but just at some point they're almost devaluing losses here. And I hate that as a college football fan. I hate the fact that now we're talking about like, Oh, one lost team is ranked ahead of what? Like five undefeated teams. Like when did this happen? And, and this is when when you think back to the BCS, this would have never happened, obviously, in a BCS you know, in, in the BCS, it would have been probably Georgia and and maybe like Michigan State, whoever, whoever it is. But yeah. I just cannot believe that we are putting a one loss team above power five schools that are undefeated and have big wins or even Cincinnati at that point. Like, I think Bama and Cincinnati, if you're arguing between them two, get it right. I get it. But I just don't like what this, this message is sending. It's it's totally devaluing losses and saying you can lose if you're a good team and you beat up on everybody else. But that's not what football's been about. Football's about winning. It's always been about winning and it's always yeah. been about putting your best effort forward. It doesn't matter what the fucking spread is. It doesn't matter who's an underdog. This is what football's always been about. It's why Ohio State in 2002 had one of the most incredible seasons so I LSU blowing up and going undefeated. Undefeated means something so much more and I just I'm very disappointed in the committee for devaluing a loss by putting Alabama that high this early.
0: And I think that's part of why a lot of college football fans feel the way that you do, Vito. As someone who who became a college football fan later in life who really like got into college football during the college football playoff era, that argument of going undefeated, I've always thought was stupid. Because it, it never meant anything to me. Because to get to the national title game, you had to go undefeated, right? And so I, I get that perspective. I understand where it came from, why it is that people feel that way. But in the modern day of college football, especially talking about an expanded playoff down the line, which is I think this year is a good example as to why it's a, it would be a good thing to have an expanded playoff losing one game to a team that's ranked 14th in the country on a last second field goal, you know, like they still lost the game, no question, but they also have two top 10 or top 15 wins right now where they beat the team by 21 or more. And so that is the biggest piece of justification for the committee to put Alabama there where I find where I think it could be dangerous is that I think assuming Alabama stays at two, and I don't know if it will come to this, But if Alabama loses a close game to Georgia and they're at number two and they were the consents, because the committee said this, the log jam was three through nine. So the committee was almost universally on board with number one and number two being Georgia and Bama, which is very telling. But if they are the unanimous number two team in college football for all of these rankings and they lose to Georgia, they might end up putting a two loss Alabama into the college football playoff absolutely they will. I
2: think so. And I'm scared that they would, it would be, I'm scared that it would be a two-loss Bama and an undefeated Cincinnati, and Cincinnati gets left out or and Wake I Forest. Would go crazy.
0: Or Wake Forest. And I'll and I'll and I'll say this: if Bama is, has two losses versus a one-loss Oklahoma, I still think Alabama's a better football team. And in my opinion, and this is where most people who are college football diehards disagree with me. I want to see the four best teams. I don't really care, and Alabama's gonna end up being one of the four best teams by the end of the year. So I, 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 and if they lose another game, like they they have to go to Jordan Hare, right in in the Iron Bowl this year. We've seen we had a caller who had a great point. We've seen some crazy stuff happen in Jordan Hare. And Auburn <laughs> is playing like a good football. Auburn's team.
2: playing well now. They've got together.
0: Bo Nix feels like a quarterback who will beat Alabama. You know what I mean? Like a guy's like, how the hell did that guy beat yeah, Alabama? Yeah. Like. that's the vibe I'm getting here. But at the same time, two wins over top 15 teams in the college football playoff rankings, both of which by 21 or more, that's enough justification to keep them at number two. I was a little surprised, um, but not, not overly surprised. Uh, We've got one other college football thing I have to get into here. We're just college related thing. So you guys know I went to James Matt, right? Everyone who listens to this pod knows I went to James. Well, JMU uh, was offered an invitation to join the Sun Belt. It's a topic we actually haven't talked about on this podcast yet because I was waiting for it to become official. Well, the CAA kind of, you know, rained on the parade or maybe pissed on the parade is a better, you know, way to phrase it here because the CAA has decided that JMU, if they accept the invitation to the Sun Belt, will become ineligible for all conference championships this year. I've never been more angry about something in college sports in my life. This is as disgusting and petty and immature and taking my ball and running the fuck home as I've ever seen in sports ever. This is obnoxious. There have been eight Eight other schools and conferences who have had to deal with it this year since Texas and Oklahoma decided to leave the the Big Twelve and make this jump to the SEC and zero zero of them have flexed this kind of pettiness that they're holding against. By the way, you're not punishing Jeff Bourne, you're not the oh. AD at JMU. You're not. You know, punishing Jonathan Alger, the president of JMU. You are punishing the 18 to 22 year old kids who have busted their ass, who had to spend an entire year of their athletic career and their college career playing in front of nobody, dealing with a fucking pandemic, while also trying to be students at home learning virtually. You're punishing them. Okay. And Jay, and I'm sorry that I'm going to go on a rant here, but I'm just, I have to. JMU has dominated the CAA, absolutely dominated. That conference is jack shit. Without JMU, four CAA championships this year are being housed at JMU. So even if JMU qualified, and JMU's still going to host the host these, it's still going to be the site for these championships. JMU can't even participate when it's on their own freaking campus. Okay, the official CAA Twitter account posted a video today. This fucking tone deaf, neuronic conference posted a video shouting out the JMU field hockey team for being six and zero in conference play. And they posted a video today after this announcement came out. And this made national college news. This isn't even like just a specific thing that I know. This story is, was on The Athletic. Every major, we talked about it for a half hour on the radio today. So this is not like a small niche part of college football. This is pissing off all of sports media. Pat McAfee was tweeting about it. Like this is a national story now. Okay. In the last five years, five years, I'm going to go through five years of CAA championships across all sports. 16-17, JMU won four conference championships, led the entire league in in total conference championships, and they knocked JMU, knocked off North Dakota State, ended the North Dakota State run of dominance in the FCS, and went on to win a national championship. In 17-18, five. Conference championships again every year, more than anyone else. And women's lacrosse won the national championship, the Division One, the whole shebang in front of everybody. Won the national championship in women's lacrosse in eighteen nineteen. Six conference championships, two more than any other school. In nineteen twenty, in the shortened season, there were only eleven sports that actually had a championship by the end of the season. JMU won four of them, and went on to play in the national championship, but they end up losing to North Dakota State. And uh, and then in twenty and twenty one. Six conference championships again, two more than any other school, and a women's college world series run that dominated. Uh, literally, they were. Uh, uh, honestly, Alexander was up for a freaking SP for this. This like a national, is so good, national performance storyline. Twenty-five CAA championships in the last five years. The next closest school has less than twenty. JMU is the CAA, and I get it. It sucks that you're losing it. Okay, the last, the, the only national titles in the last decade both came from JMU. So I get it. They're pissed. They're annoyed, but this is absolute horseshit. Okay. And this was the com, this was the quote from the CAA commissioner, Joe D'Antonio, who I've interviewed and is a nice guy. He says, we have great respect for JMU as a conference, but I'll be honest. It's not my job to determine whether it makes sense or doesn't make sense. It's my job to make sure the bylaws are enforced the way they're written. This is an archaic rule. He has every, Bit of power that he every like he's in total control here if he wants to sit in and say no no this is bullshit jmu you guys can compete he has the power to do so so to be this petty over something so small it is unimaginable and after what all of these student athletes went through in the last year and a half playing a college sport in front of fucking no one during a pandemic this decision by the CAA is absolutely nauseating to me. I get I have a little bit of extra. I have an extra dog in the fight, horse in the race, whatever you want to call it. But I was so upset when I saw this last night. And and for and JMU that- softball after that run, like JMU football will still get a chance to compete for a national title because there are at-large bids to get in for the FCS championship. But it is so hard. I mean, softball might get in as an at-large, assuming they continue to dominate. And after the run they had last year, but basically every stu- every mid-major here, all of these programs have zero shot, not only at their conference championship, but also on a national level. And it's fucking disgusting. I think
2: what, why it's so and, and first of all, Jeff, I agree. Maybe you have an extra jog in the fight, but you are representing, I think, the voice of a lot of fans. Even if you're not a fan of JMU specifically, how are you as a conference? Going to punish players as they're leaving. Like, I get that they're mad at a school, right? I get it. I can understand that. But what I don't understand is what this does for your conference. This makes everybody hate your conference. This makes everybody never want to join your conference if they ever, right, another tier below or anyone else that needs to move or a realignment happens. This is pathetic. This is an embarrassment to sports. I hate this because sports are all about competing and putting your best foot forward and seeing if your team or your individual effort can outshine someone else's. And and it's, it's our version. And this is not an exaggeration. This is our version modern day of like what gladiators were back in the day. People come to arenas. We build billion dollar stadiums to come see sports and it's what we love. And it's, it's this whole physicality and mental game. And what you're saying, as this conference, as the CAA, uh, what was his name again? I'm sorry, Jeff. I want Joe, to call Joe Joe D'Antonio. Out. Yeah, Joe D'Antonio. Fuck you. And what what you're doing is saying that I don't care if this team is better or this team is better. What I'm saying is that you're going to go somewhere else. You're no longer a part of our conference right now. You know what I think the Sunbelts should do is say, "Fine, come come right now. Come play with us. Come play in our conference tournaments. Come yep. fuck it." Like and it's expected that they're going to join.
0: By July 1st, 2022. So, like, next year, JMU should be – will be in the Sun Belt. Right. And honestly, so- like, if 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 the CAA wanted to do what the Sun Belt did – because you got to – like, so, like, was it, seven or eight years ago, a bunch of teams left the Sun Belt to join Conference USA, right? And so now, when all of a sudden the Sun Belt was in a position of power and those schools, like – and the Conference USA is falling apart – you know, which it has in the last couple of years with all those schools leaving Conference USA to join the American now that Cincinnati and all those schools have left, Mm -hmm. the Sun Belt said no. They said, no, we don't want you in middle Tennessee. We don't want you back. That's when you can be petty. Right. right? They left. You you did the honorable thing. You left them out. And there was a quote here. It was a joint statement from President Alger and Jeff Bourne at JMU. And I thought, I think this says it perfectly. In an era Mm -hmm. when the industry of college athletics stresses student athlete welfare, more than ever, this decision is completely contrary to those ideals. It says it perfectly because yeah. you're not punishing Jeff Bourne. you're not punishing President Alger. You're, you're, you're punishing 18 to 22 year old kids and you're asking them to grind and go through everything that they have to do as student athletes for pride. It's so demoralizing. Like NU ah. is hosting four CAA <laughs> championships this year and JMU's ineligible for them. I, I, I'm just. If I'm JMU right before, like the
2: week before those, I'm telling him, no, you can't do it here. Like I'm waiting until the day before and saying, you can't show up and play here. Like I would, I, you want to play not... a petty game? Fuck you. I can play but then that then you're too. screwing
0: over the other the kids from the other schools. Cause that's a part of this too. so like, you're right. The Hell CAA yeah. is tarnishing the name of them, of their own reputation. And for a future school that might want to join them, but all those other student athletes at Delaware and at North, Northeastern at all these other schools in the CAA, like, they're screwed out of this, too. I just – and, again, JMU, literally, they housed CAA Media Days this year because they just built a brand-new basketball arena. Like, JMU has been the epicenter of the CAA for so long. Even the 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 Twitter page, like, the back part, whatever you call it, the header of the CAA Twitter page – Is the JMU women's national lacrosse team because they're the last national lacrosse team or the the last school to win a national championship in the CAA? Like I, I just it sits so poorly with me, and it's just it's disgusting. It's it's disgusting, Scotty. What do you have to add on topic? Because you were you were diehard into the Odyssey Alexander, you know, and the JMU softball team. Uh, I was such
1: a run. It, It was so fun to watch, and you know, to the success of the the JMU programs. That's, that's one of, one of the arms of this. Uh, But secondly, and, and the bigger thing that you guys have have really just hammered is how can you punish? I I don't understand how you can punish the kids who are playing these sports, especially under the circumstances of last year, especially what they're going through this year, um, trying to readjust. Um, But even in general, like how could you punish the kids who have nothing to do with this Decision And it's a good one, by the way, by the administration and yeah. the athletics department of you. Yeah, How can you punish the kids for that? That's what I don't understand. That's what I'm having a, a tough time with. So uh, that that to me is absolute crap. And, 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 and it's just a, a weak move that that is classless and, and, and just a disservice to, to all of college athletics writ large. Uh,
0: it, it is. It is. And it, it spits in the face of what college athletics has been working towards. And after in one, the those- mouth, even
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm restraining myself from a joke. Um, yeah, it just, after everything in this past year and a half, what, what they've asked these kids to do because of the money, because of everything that they get from TV deals and, and even at JMU's level with flow sports and stuff, it's just wrong. It's just, it's completely wrong. And and I hope I hope the backlash is enough for them to think about this. But um, the last thing I'll add here is this rule. I, I mentioned the other eight conferences that have had to deal with similar situations here. Uh, the only Division One school or conference in the country that has this rule is the CAA. So it's just it's just wrong. It's yeah. absolutely wrong. And the amount of support and everything I saw online on social media and everything else like. I've, I've made this joke forever. Like JMU fans are like the Ohio state fans of the FCS and the JMU high was in full force in the last, you know, 24 hours. <laughs> and maybe the only, the only thing I'm hoping for is that because of the extra year of eligibility that all the athletes got because of COVID that a senior this year will get the chance to go back and, and, and play next year when JMU's in the Sunbelt and that no kids lose an opportunity, but to ask it, you know, all these JMU women's basketball has been in the top 25 regularly over the last decade. JMU women's softball literally lost one game before the college women's college world series last year. And and now you're saying that they're going to have to get in as an at large bid. You're not even going to let them play in the comp. I mean, for mid majors winning your conference championship is as big of a deal as winning the national championship. Cause for the most part, that's barring miracle runs. Like what we saw last year, you don't have a shot to win national titles. And now you're, you're taking that away from them and it's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's ridiculous. All right. I'm going to cool off uh, and we're going to take a break and we're going to come back and we're going to rip through our Sunday NFL preview uh, and we're going to do our picks and we're going to get ready for uh, a good weekend of football. In all of the mania that was that first segment, I forgot to add the fifth thing that I wanted to, you know, we had the Aaron Rodgers, we had the Odell story. We talked about, we had the college football playoff and obviously my JMU insanity. Uh, all of this happened and completely overshadowed the fact that the Atlanta Braves won the World Series this week.
1: Yeah, which how about the Bravos?
0: By the way, Scotty and I, in our preseason preview of the uh, MLB season, I said the Atlanta Braves would win the World Series in honor of Hank Aaron, uh, and they did. So, I think I think what I, I think it's what cool. we need I think what we need to start doing is in the preseason, like whenever we do like a season preview pod, we all have to pick one team. And put like ten dollars on that team to win because my thought was like if I just put five dollars down or whatever I was like that's easily like a hundred and fifty bucks. but I don't even know what the odds were at the beginning of the season, but that's a good chunk of change if I put down a ten dollar bet before the season starts. Oh yeah, uh, I think we need to start doing that before. I mean, I guess the next start of the season is is baseball, so we have a little bit of time. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. basketball and hockey did, but hey, well, I'll just I'll we'll get, keep the one in the back there. Um, Winter right.
1: Olympics, Jeff.
0: Yeah, how about that? Got how I wonder if that's ever happened before. I was having this conversation the other day. Two Olympics within six months of each other. This has to be the first time with the summer Olympics well, the, this summer and then the winter Olympics.
1: They used to be in the same year until uh, I gotta look this up, but I want to say it was in the 60s when they switched it to every right. like the two off years.
0: Well, there you go. Learn something new every day. I, sh- I mm-hmm. honestly should know that. I should know that. Um, but I didn't. So, Thursday night game. Our favorite tradition, you guys get to make fun of us about how right or how wrong we were. Uh, we have the Jets on the road taking on the Colts. To put it mildly, probably not that exciting of a matchup. Uh, Mike White coming off of a 400-yard performance in his first career start, going up against Carson Wentz, and the Colts coming off a, uh, a heartbreaking loss there in overtime to Tennessee. Right now, the Colts are a 10 and a half point favorite. Uh, we were talking about this a little bit in the break, it's kind of an interesting line, right? Because the Jets, they're coming in. I think a lot of money's going towards the Jets. But I feel like you had this rookie, or not rookie, but this like first-time starter quarterback coming on. It's almost like the interim coach, you know, rule, right? Where the interim coach comes in, you get you get ride this high, and then uh, it all starts to go downhill. I don't know if on a short week that Mike White's going to be able to replicate what he did. And Carson Wentz historically has been really, really good on Thursday nights. The Colts begrudgingly have looked better and better each week. I'm leaning towards the Colts here. Where you guys looking uh, for the Thursday night matchup?
2: Dude, 10 and a half is just a lot. I, I think I'm going Jets, and I agree with everything you said. I do agree that usually when you have a new quarterback coming in or that interim coach, same deal. You definitely slide down, but 10 and a half is a lot. And I also think that the Colts will run the ball very – Like I mean, the Jets line actually played well last week on defense, the front seven. I think that this is going to be a limited possession game. I think the Colts will dominate it, but I think – the Jets do enough to cover I'll take the Jets
0: Vito's going with the Jets
1: Colts are don't be a fool Colts <laughs> are two and a half or two sorry two games above 500 uh, against the spread this year the uh, New York Jets are two and five so I'm gonna take the Colts that plus uh, Carson Wentz on Thursday nights I don't believe in this Jets team I don't think anyone should have a reason to unless you're a Jets fan and even then I don't I don't think you do uh, so give me the, give me the Colts at 10 and a half. <clears throat>
0: I am, I'm also going to take the Colts here, uh, despite the fact – I mean, they have, if you look at their injury report, it's like a World War II, like, medical center. Like, it, it's brutal right now. T.Y. Hilton's still out. Uh, Quentin Nelson is questionable, but is expected to be playing toe injury, so I would expect him to play through that. Uh, but he's got the rest of his wide receivers, and there's some serious chemistry going on between uh, Michael Pittman Jr. and uh, Carson Wentz. And the big one here is, you know, there is on – the, on the injury report, injury list – No sign of Jonathan Taylor. And that's the guy who's going to make or break this game, Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines. I think they carry the team. I'm taking the Colts here uh, to to cover the 10 and a half. I think we're going to have – we're kind of due for an ugly Thursday night game. We've had a couple of close ones in a row, so I'm going to take the Colts. Uh, We got an AFC North matchup against a couple of teams that are coming off of less than great losses. The Cleveland Browns going on the road to take on the Bengals. Right now, Cincinnati is a a two-and-a-half point favorite. We don't know what the deal with OBJ is. Like we said, he's mispracticed the last two days. We'll see if he practices on Friday. Uh, But even with that, the Browns defense has been playing really well. And the Bengals, after losing to the Jets, I mean, that's a demoralizing loss, especially the way they did. I think the Bengals defense steps up big time, and I think the Bengals offense does enough to get by the Browns. I'm taking the Bengals to cover the two and a half.
1: Not so fast, my friend. The be- the Browns defensive line let me down last week against a terrible offensive line. Uh, they're playing a better offensive. They were just playing down in their competition. It's fine. Uh, Steelers stink. Uh, they uh, they are playing a better offensive line this week. Uh, I don't think uh, a, a, a shot like a big shot better than them uh, than the Steelers offensive line. So uh, Browns will play back up to their competition a little bit and uh, and they will dominate on the, in the trenches They'll get after Joe Burrow and get four sacks. I'll take that over. Uh, And um, yeah, I'll take the Browns at two and a half.
2: Okay, this is this is a hard one for me. My initial gut reaction was Bengals because anytime you lose to a team like the Jets or even remember when the Texans got blown out like forty to zero, right? And they came back uh, like it was they got blown out against the Bills and came back and won. Anytime you have a demoralizing loss, I think that the coaches get after you, right? And and they get it, you know. They get the team, I guess, motivated, you can say. But this is different. This is divisional. I am going to go with the Browns. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just think that it's going to be close. And at the end of the day, we always say about going with the quarterback you trust. This is actually two quarterbacks which are very, very up in the air for me, of which one I would take. And um, right now, really?
0: I, yeah, See, I'm, I'm, I'll take Joe Burrow over Baker. I, to me, at least, I think that's.
2: I think it's more about who's going to make mistakes in this one. And I I do think that Baker's found his groove in terms of, well, not fully, right. But like, he doesn't turn the ball over. I just, in my mind, I would rather take Baker in a close game. I take Burrow in a shootout and, and I think this is going to be close. I think defense plays are also going Browns.
0: You know, actually, I, I like that last point you made because we've seen Joe Burrow struggle at the end of a couple of games. We've seen him, you know, even like hey, this is the sack he took, the sack fumble against the the Jets last week, right? And ultimately, yeah. end up losing in the game, or at least took away their chance to go down the field and try to steal that game from the Jets. Uh, but I'm still going to take the Bengals here. So you guys are on the Browns. I'm on Cincinnati. Uh, your boys, Vito. You're donning your your Von Miller jersey first time without Von Miller on the roster since 2011 2012. Uh, Right now, they're going to Dallas, and the Cowboys are a 10-point favorite. It's an interesting matchup here, right? The Cowboys' defense has been playing really well. I don't know what the Broncos are doing on offense. They're also down a pass rusher, which I think hurts their defense a little bit. But the strength of the Broncos right now is in their secondary, so I could see it being less than 10 points. But I don't – I mean, the Broncos – sorry, the Cowboys' defense has looked really good. I've been really impressed by them. Uh, that being said, I, uh, I'm still going to take the Cowboys to cover the 10 points here.
2: Yeah, I, I got to say, um, this one's tough for me. I should take the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys will cover. They should run all over our team. They really should. The line, the push, the way Zeke and Tony Pollard have ran the ball, um, it's been incredible, that one-two punch. I can tell you right now, our linebackers, our injuries there, we are not ready for it. But I can't – the 10 points of my own team – yeah, Fuck, man, I, I'm taking the Broncos and, and just put an asterisk next to this because this is me being a good fan and a shitty uh, podcaster, I guess.
0: <laughs> I, I, I put a star next to it and just wrote Homer next yeah, to thank the star. You.
2: Thank that you. is a Homer pick.
1: Yeah, the, the Cowboys covered easy. I mean, they got too much weaponry. The way the defense is being up, plus they're down a pass rusher in Denver. Um, I'm scared because I'm playing them. Uh, well, for now, I'm playing them in my fantasy uh, as my defense, so um, there's there's
0: got to be a better team you can pick going up against I, that offense. Be, right?
1: Against that offense, is just electric. look at whatever yeah, defenses. Over.
0: Whatever defenses are are available, just go find the one that's playing the worst offense. You don't want to go just up against that. Throw Cowboys. a dart.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, Cowboys are seven zero against the spread. The offense is electric. I just the difference to me is what what Teddy Bridgewater won't do against that defense, which is. Uh, of dallas which is starting to step up so uh plus Noah Fant, i believe is going to be out of the game uh, i think he's on the COVID 19 list that's just one pe- less pass catcher to worry about so uh, i'll take the dallas cowboys
0: the one <laughs> question we have to ask though which we haven't uh is dak playing in this game with all the other news and stuff hmm. i haven't heard i'm pulling up the injury list he's now. supposed
2: to at least in um what does it say? He's likely re- to return from the calf injury. Um, he's not so. listed.
0: He's not listed on their injury report. Yeah. Which means, uh, yeah, well, we're going to see Dak Prescott here. And this feels like a Dak, like, Hey, I'm back. I'm healthy. We're going to, we're going to put up a million points here. Uh, yeah. I- I'm, I'm feeling comfortable and sorry, Scott, you also picked Dallas, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah okay. Uh, all right. How about that? Uh, this Idiots. game, okay. <laughs> this game is the game that will be hidden on, <laughs> will be hidden on Red Zone because nobody wants to watch this game. The fan bases of these two teams don't even want to watch this game. Uh, the Houston Texans going on the road to Miami, and <laughs> this is this is the ugly bowl here. But I do think there is a gap between these two teams. Now, the one interesting wrinkle is Terod Taylor is back this weekend is expected to start on Sunday. So this is no longer the Davis Mills experience. All the money that people made betting on, betting against Davis Mills, I should say, uh, is not not going to be there. That time's over. It's Tarad going up against Tua, and Miami's a six and a half point favorite. Scotty, you're shaking your head. How are you feeling? This is not a fun game to pick. I'm just saying right now because like that line too is is way too big for me to feel confident like betting on the Dolphins, but. No,
1: I'm going to throw it out just because there's there's only two weapons left for the Dolphins, and Miles Gaskin isn't one of them. It's Devontae Parker and and Mike Kosicki who have big games. But if Terod Taylor is back, I think he finds a way to connect with Brandon Cooks a little bit, uh, get some of that running game going <clears throat> if they can against the uh, the Dolphins defensive line, which has not been good uh, over the first eight games of the season. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Texans at six and a half to cover. I don't think they win. Uh maybe I do. Six and a, uh, yeah, I'll take the Texans.
0: I mean Tarad looked good in, in when he was in there in week two, even before he got knocked out of the game against Cleveland. that was th- that was a tie game. They got up to like, I think a 14 nothing lead against the Cleveland Browns in week two before Tarad got knocked out. Uh, this is a this is a weird game, Vito. How are you leaning right now? Uh, right now, no will Fuller. he's still on IR. Devonte Parker is questionable but is expected to play to also questionable, but expected to play.
2: I think the hard part is when you come back from an injury, it's how, you know, what do you need a game to knock the rust off? How you look in the first quarter, second quarter. I think I believe in Terod Taylor. I think that he will at least cover. Um, I think they have a chance to win. I would actually probably pick this team as like my underdog of the week. You know what I mean? I think Mm. they have a shot to to win this straight up. Basically I'm saying I'm putting money line money on them. That's what I'm saying.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Super <laughs> with a line with a line that big uh and Tarad as a mobile quarterback and being able to do some things, you know, I there's a huge part of my brain right now that's just being like, take, take the points, right? It's just it's an easier pick. Do you really trust Tua and them to beat this team by multiple touchdowns? But then I watched Miami be tied three to three against the Buffalo Bills at halftime last week. And I get that they had a bad second half. But they did that against one of the best teams in all of football in the Buffalo Bills. What are they going to do against a team like Houston with a terrible offensive line? Uh, and honestly, like a lot of like both starting quarterbacks or cornerbacks are there for the Dolphins. I kind of want to take Miami here, but the points are screaming at me when this game ends up being a field goal. I'm going to feel really dumb. But I'm going to take the Dolphins to cover. I think tua has been playing better than than people are giving credit. You know, two, two hasn't been great, but... No, that defense, though, like, we'll see. I mean, they slowed down the Buffalo Bills. Because I think if... I, I don't think there's any world where it's going to be three to... Th- like, I think the Dolphins' offense is actually going to be able to score points in this game. And so, for me, it's like, is, T- is Terod going to do enough to close that gap? And I, I just... I'm leaning towards Miami. So, I'm going to go with the gut. Though, the gut... Last week, I didn't go with my gut, and I did pretty well in the NFL. So, we'll see. <laughs> my, my gut's all over the place, man. I gotta go see a gastroenterologist or whatever they're called. <laughs> uh, all right, we got an NFC South rivalry here. Uh, a game again, another game that's weird to pick because there's no Jameis. Uh, Taysom Hill was practicing. It looks like Taysom Hill is going to be playing in this game. We haven't seen him in over a month, right? And the Falcons going to New Orleans. The Falcons, like we said on, on Tuesday's pod, right? Like, who are they? What are they? They're the Falcons. They're going to win some weird games, and then they're going to get blown out by teams, and they're going to be in close games that they lose. They're just the most unpredictable team in football. You know, like I like the, the Broncos, at least, because I feel confident every time. I know what the Broncos are going to do in every game, right? But the, the, even though a lot of times I'm wrong when I bet the Broncos, the Falcons, I have no idea. It's a complete crapshoot every time. So I'll let you guys go first while I'm gathering myself because I've tried to make my picks before the gate before we do the pod, and I would just wrote a question mark down because I have no idea where to go right now. What uh? What's the spread? New Orleans is a six point favorite, and that's the other part. Whoa, ah, uh, whoa! That defense is playing
2: really well. Um, six points divisional matchup without my boy Jameis. Without my boy Jameis. Ugh. Sean Payton does enough to, to, to bring, you know what? No. Um, well, see, yeah, this Simeon, is what I'm saying.
0: This is it's, so fucking it's hard. Good, it's I'll,
2: gonna be the, a, I'll go Saints. I'll go Saints. It's going to be the go Trevor Falcons Simeon really
0: and Taysom Hill show.
2: I want to go Falcons. Back. Actually, I'll, I'll, I'll do Falcons. I'll do All Falcons. And that's Taysom just Hill. because I think that it'll do enough to keep it close. Um, and that's it.
1: Taysom Hill earns a starting spot uh, this week against a Falcons defense, who he's absolutely going to torch Uh, by the way, uh, something we didn't touch on last week or uh, earlier this week, rather that, uh, that we would be remiss uh, among this group of podcasters uh, without talking about is, uh, is Calvin Ridley stepping away Uh, good for him for making that decision for himself and, uh, and bettering himself and his mental health. So, hundred uh, percent courageous decision by him and, uh, and really, really good work, job to, uh, and good job by the Falcons organization for, for understanding that, uh, that this is a real problem. And, uh, and him, uh, him announcing it, a superstar like that, uh, helps erase some of the stigma. It was, so, it was on the uh, same
0: day that Lane Johnson did an interview with Jay Glazer about, you know, why he stepped away for, for the same thing. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. people so, always think the quiet ones, right? Like Lane Johnson, Calvin Ridley, and even friends of ours. Like, if you're a quiet person, like a lot of times people are like, oh, man, there's, they never got anything wrong in their life. They never show it, right? Sometimes those are the people who struggle the most. So, yeah, shout out to Calvin Ridley. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, so, uh, so that aside, uh, without uh, him in the lineup, um, I don't know what you do as a, as a Falcons offense. You've got um, Mike Davis, who's been, you know, usable. Cordero Patterson's got to continue. Um the uh the stretch that he's on and then Kyle Pitts. Uh can he emerge against this defense? I don't know. That defense looks really good. Uh this is a Taysom Hill show. Uh Taysom and Kamara take the Falcons down. Uh well, not single-handedly, because that's two people. So quad-handedly, uh uh <laughs> give me give me the Saints at six and a half.
2: I'm flopping Saints. Sorry to interrupt. I'm I, I this oh. is the hardest pick.
0: You made me is scratch out twice on the is, is it the a pen? pen? <laughs> Well, I already scratched out New Orleans once in pen. Now I'm scratching out a second time. Normally, I oh. give you guys each once, and myself, we all get one scratch out on the list when I when I jot this down. That's because yes, I am a 80 year old man, and I like to write things down on my legal, my yellow legal pet. I, I like honestly, like at this point, it's just like, like I feel like all like everyone does like fancy graphics for their podcast, and they tweet out like their picks for the week. It, I might just start tweeting out my ugly ass yellow legal pad with our picks <laughs> from our Twitter account moving forward. Like that just might start being in the mood. Like here's the picks from the read option. It's just ugly as hell.
1: Like, I love be, it.
0: I think that'd be funny. I'm going to do that this week. Um, So we just talked about all this and I still don't know who I'm going to pick. So um, <laughs> I here's, here's what I'm coming down to as analytical as I can be Uh, the Falcons need to be able to run the ball. I don't think they're going to be able to against the saints defense, which means can Matt Ryan do enough with Kyle Pitts and Russell Gage and the guy whose last name looks like Zucchini to Zacchaeus, <laughs> Zacchaeus Thank you. It looks like Zucchini every time I'm singing. Yes. Like, oh, there's that guy's name is Zucchini. Um, will will they be able to do enough through the air, especially with my Mar- because Marshawn Lattimore gonna cover Kyle Pitts? I would love to see that. I think that'd be electric. Um, and, and we might end up seeing some of it. I think the Saints defense does a lot. But Taysom Hill, man, like remember, Taysom Hill lost to Jalen Hurts and the Eagles, like when the Eagles were a two and 12 team last year and the Saints were a, a 10, 12 win team. So you never you're going to get you guys are on New Orleans. Uh, if we're all if we all lose, we all lose together. I'm taking the Saints here. Too. I also need to make up some ground with our picks. I'll go over the overall standings at the end of this because your boy had a had a not great week overall last week. Um, all right. Next game. Raiders cross country off the bye, taking on Joe judge and the clapper and Danny dimes on a short week uh, Raiders giants right now, the Raiders are a three point favorite on the road. Uh, I believe part of my take were the ones that pointed out that Daniel Jones is sick on the road and he's terrible. I mean, they almost they arguably should have won that game on Monday night. They didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, right now Raiders three point road favorite, but what are the Raiders? I mean, one of the things we didn't get to, was the uh, Henry Rugg story this week, which is horrifying. Um, yeah. And if you if you don't know the details of that story, go look them up. Uh, we're not going to talk about it here. I don't really think it's uh, what this podcast is, but it's obviously a horrible thing. Moral of the story don't drink and drive. Just don't drink and drive, please. Don't let other people um, drink
2: and drive. Be the friend that takes the keys. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's it. You
0: don't know, know whose life you're, you're, you might save. Um, so that team's going through a lot right now, and they've gone through a lot in the last few weeks. Going cross-country, um, I mean, we've seen them be unaffected by the stuff in the past, but it's a big test for Basikia. Uh, From a football perspective, I don't know what to make of the Giants other than it seems like they play hard in every game, and I, and I think Joe Judge does a good job of getting that out of those guys. It does seem like a low number for a team that's 5-2 and two playing a team that's 2-6, and six, even if it is on the road. Uh, I'm going to take the Raiders. I think the Raiders end up pulling this one out. I think they win by, um, by a touchdown here at least. So, yeah, give me the Raiders.
2: I think uh, I'm taking the Raiders as well. And my reasoning is this when stuff like this happens and real life, shit hits your team and they've had so much stuff happen to their team in general with Gruden and just, just so many key pieces of their team that are no longer with the team for different reasons. But sometimes it's, you don't, you have to answer questions all week and have all this stuff with the media and their friends and the family and all that stuff. Some people just want to go out and play fucking football. And I think these guys are gonna go out and sling it and have a great time, and good for them. The people listen, Gruden did some awful things, and whatever happened with Ruggs happened, and, and it's it's t- horrifying. And either way, these players deserve to go out and have some fun. I hope they do, and I hope they they blow them out.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I'd sit here and give you the X's and O's about how the how Raiders aren't gonna be able to run the ball effectively. Josh Jacobs is banged up, and even then they've got Kenyon Drake and Peyton Barber behind him, but the Giants defensive line is really good or has played better at least, uh, and they can stuff the run. And I don't think that uh, the Raiders necessarily have the the receiving depth to, uh, to to beat that or overcome that, but screw it. I mean, this is a team that needs a rallying cry. They've got Darren Waller coming back. Uh, Derek Carr, for, for all the crap I've given him over the years, has been such an effective leader of this football team uh, in the last, what, six or so weeks that that all the, the shit is at the fan in that organization. So kudos to him. I think he does it again and leads them to another win, uh, at least against the spread.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and from an X is no standpoint, the Giants are a bad passing defense, you know, and, and so uh, yeah. the Raiders are right now the number one passing offense in football. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take Derek Carr to just keep, you know, throwing the ball as well as he has, and I think they continue to move on. Um, Another interesting game between – Two very different four and four squads here. The New England Patriots going to Carolina. Uh, I think to make a joke that might be a little old, Sam Darnold's going to be seeing some ghosts as he takes on the New England Patriots. Once After again. Halloween? Well, remember a couple years ago when Sam Darnold oh, said yeah. he was seeing ghosts as a rookie and it was a whole thing. It was a joke, Jeff. <laughs> well, you know, Scotty with you, I don't know what goes over your head and what doesn't.
1: <laughs> a ghost probably.
0: Jesus. Um, Mac Jones, two wins in a row. The Patriots seem to have a good formula in place for this team. Uh, I I was listening to an interview with Julian Edelman not that long ago where he was talking about, you know, what Bill Belichick's philosophy is when it comes to the season, which is why I think one of the things he does such an incredible job of is the first two months of the season, September, October, you're figuring out like, Hey, what are we, what's working? What's not. You're trying to figure out what that formula is. And then that way by the time November hits, you're off and running. We all know how good Tom Brady is in his career in the month of November. He's like the greatest, not only is he the greatest quarterback of all time, but he's also statistically the greatest quarterback in the month of November of all time. He the, is in
1: the big note.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the greatest November quarterback of all time. The are getting a co-ote. There you go. Yeah, you had, there you maybe go. we'll just say it's a silent cue. We'll just go good note. Um, and, and I think that's what we're seeing right now with this New England team is Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels. They've figured out what this team is, what they do well, and now that they've kind of done that, they're ready to like, boom, let's take the off ramp. Let's fucking rip this thing. Uh, I think the Patriots win very comfortably here. I have the Patriots covering the three and a half uh, as a road favorite.
2: Yeah, I'm taking the Patriots too. I, I just think that, and this, I don't know what's going on with the Panthers. I like Matt Rule, but somehow some way Mac Jones is starting to come into his own. And, and I really do like what Bill Belichick's doing on the defensive side. It's not his best defense by any means, but this is I feel like the last couple weeks is some of the best coaching he's done in a while, and I hope to see it keep rolling. So I'm gonna go with uh, New England.
1: Yeah. Um <clears throat> that all sounds really logical and uh and smart, <laughs> but uh logic be damned. McCaffrey's back maybe, I think, potentially he was practicing this, is, this week. Yep. This is uh, if nothing else, a Stefan Gilmore revenge game. Give me the Panthers.
2: <laughs>
0: You know, I I do like the Stephon Gilmore point, but here's the thing. I don't think now, and to this point at the same time, I don't think the Pats are going to try to beat the Panthers through the air. They're going to try to run the ball, but the Panthers are a pretty good run defense. And you got Derek Brown in the middle who I'm telling, I've been saying it all year. Derek Brown is the most under talked about guy in college in in, in the NFL right now. Uh, He was a top, I think he was taken sixth overall just two years ago. And I've said this before D tackles, when you're one of those premier guys, except like for Jordan Davis, like Jordan Davis, the kid from Georgia, when he comes in the league, he's going to be amazing immediately. But for the most part, it takes some time for the bodies to finish developing, to fully get to that point where it's like, all right, you can be the Fletcher Cox. You can be, unless you're Aaron and but even still Aaron like Donald apple for a couple years.
1: on the tree, you got to yeah. yeah, pick it at the right time.
0: Or like a flower, like Nick Sirianni likes to say. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think it's going to be an interesting game. Um, but I do think, I think this is a game where it's like, if the Patriots are actually going to be a dark horse like team, the AFC, this is the game that they need to prove it and win this one. Handily. Must win. Yeah. yeah. I think they do. I wouldn't call it a must win, but it's like a, it's a prove it game. It's a like, hey, we are here. We're beating bad teams. But again, both of these teams are four and four. And, yeah. you know, I mean, credit to the Patriots. That's- Patriots have been in every, I mean, the Patriots almost beat the Bucks. They almost beat uh, the, the Cowboys, right? Both of those games came down to the final play.
1: The Texans,
0: then, but then yeah, you look at the Texans you're like yeah, but they almost almost lost the fucking Texans. They're like, <laughs> what to make of the Pats? They still have a chance to play Buffalo twice, which will be fun. Speaking yeah, of Buffalo, and Mac, oh, Jones
1: gonna Mac, Mac Jones is going to see ghosts.
0: Mac Jones is going to be the one seeing ghosts. I don't and know. It's but, Stephon uh, Gilmore. <laughs> yeah. well, I don't know about that one. <laughs> yeah, that'll be uh that'll be fun. I don't know. Maybe they learned something in uh, the the three months that they were on the same team, even though Stefan Gilmore never actually practiced or played for the paths at the time. Uh but speaking of the bills as i alluded to, we'll see if the manning curse continues. Now after we were done reporting mm, yes. on Tuesday, I told you guys about the manning curse. So every current player who was on the Manning cast, the following week has lost. It was like Gronk and uh and, and last week with Tom Brady, there was like five Brady or six guys who who did. These yeah. Through, well, no, <laughs> uh, I don't have the list up in front of me right now, but it was I'll, 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 we'll get, we'll get Zach Parker. Russell Wilson, Zach
2: Parker, doesn't he? Zach Parker's on the research and development on this stat.
0: So you do Zach Parker in Australian. I do it in Boston for whatever reason. (laughs) Um, yeah. Travis Kelsey was on week one. Chiefs lost week two. Russell Wilson was on week one. Seahawks lost week two. Gronk was on in week two. Tampa Bay lost week three. Stafford in week three. They lost week four. And then Brady on week seven. They lost in week eight. So I don't think that, uh, the Bills and Josh Allen will will continue the streak here, but could they maybe lose the cover? And it's a big line. It's 14 and a half. I mean, I think the, the Seahawks covered this spread last week, so I would imagine the Bills are going to be just fine. So I'm going to take Buffalo to win this one big because that defense is still humming. What was the spread again? Sorry. 14, 14 and, and a half. half. Go ahead, Scott. I need to
2: think
1: about this one. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're not going to be able to run the ball against this defense. And and you might not have James Robinson to do it either. So if you're relying on Carlos Hyde for if you're Jacksonville, that's going to be a problem. Uh, I do think Jamal Agnew and Trevor Lawrence hook up for two touchdowns. That's my dark horse pick of the week. Um, but 14 and a half. Ah, screw it. Give me Jacksonville. The curse continues. Ooh. Ooh.
0: That's a <sighs> That's I'm Italian.
1: Game. I'm superstitious. That's what we do.
0: That is true.
1: I mean, <laughs> Trevor Lawrence
0: a, going yeah. up against is White. I mean, like you said, they're not going to be able to run the ball. I, hey, you're a bolder man than me, Scotty. Go make that bread. Where are you at, Vito? You're looking like Home Alone right now. For those that you can't see it, but Vito's got the two hands like the kid, like <laughs> Macaulay Culkin and Home Alone. Uh, what I'm
2: what I'm picturing for some reason is a couple years ago when. uh, Josh Allen's running down the field and decides to randomly pitch the fucking ball sideways. And I could see something like that happening to make Scotty cover, but I'm going to go ahead and take the bills um, and, and nice. to cover and, and see what happens here. But man, that's a lot of points. You're talking about a three score spread. That's, that's tough. So that's tough. The field still, I know three scores, but it's still the NFL, man. It's hard. And people forget the NFL. These teams are way closer. Than you think for the bills, Josh Allen, I'm I'll stick with them. Damn it. This is close.
0: Get the hmm. line now rather than betting it at 25 or 30 in game. That's all I'm telling you. That's <laughs> all I'm telling you. All right. The Bills were tied three to three against Miami. They don't want any part of dealing with that shit again. Buffalo is going to roll Jacksonville. Roll Jacksonville. I love, by the way, I, we don't talk about this enough. It gets glanced over every time Buffalo gets talked about, but how awesome is it that the Bills are good? It's so great. It's so great. reminds
1: man. me of the 90s.
2: I hope, I hope to God that Josh Allen brings them to the Super Bowl. I, I, mean, I've been a lifelong Bills fan for like four years now, and it's been fucking exciting, man. I break tables. I bought jerseys. Uh, me and my friend bet on them once, and it was the only money in our account. And we bet on them almost every week since. It's been they've been one of the best teams against the spread in that time, so
0: we've been lucky. Uh, anyway, yeah. Maybe we need to do like a like a read option road podcast where we all go to a Buffalo game. I'm in maybe maybe I'll those mafia. Maybe we need to make that happen because i would i Let's would do and it and next season the way, though if no see because if i'm going to buffalo i want to go when it's cold Me i too. want i want the authentic buffalo i want to see people so like week three with their shirts <laughs> <laughs> i want to I see people with their shirts off in like zero degree weather and jumping through tables that are your blankets <laughs> um yeah since we talked a lot about JMU in the pod, I should note one of the most famous NFL alum from uh, that went to JMU is Scott Norwood. The famous kicker.
1: Wow, the, uh, yeah. Who, yeah.
0: Who missed infamous. Infamous, infamous, rather. Hey, hey, if you've seen the four seasons in Buffalo, 30 for 30, you walk away being like, I want to be best friends with Scott Norwood because that man has gone through more shit. With feel more from a, here? He's a Duke through and through. I'll never forget the first time I was up in the press box at JMU. You, you come out and, like, you know, you take the elevator up and you come out and you walk down the hallway. And uh, and they have, like, the kind of wall of fame. And, like, Gary Clark, who was a, a, a great receiver for Washington during the day, uh, the most famous J- NFL alum is Charles Haley before Tom Brady, the only guy with five rings, went to JMU. Uh, And then there's just a picture of Scott Norwood. (laughs) And you're like, amazing wide receiver, one of the greatest DNs throughout the 90s and the late 80s, and then just white-ass, small, Scott Norwood. Love (laughs) it. Most famous for joking. Uh, All right. (laughs) We got one more 1 o'clock game here. Another interesting game, and I'll tell you what, the spread on this one is actually what intrigues me the most. The Minnesota Vikings – who I think we all agree are a pretty good football team, but just frustrating is probably a good word. They're going to Baltimore. And uh, right now the Ravens are a six point favorite. And that line seems high, but the Ravens coming off the bye, John Harbaugh is notorious, kind of like his, uh, the guy, he was the protege for Andy Reed great off of a bye in his career is John Harbaugh. Um, that, that number's high right now, six points. Um, I'm not – I don't know. I don't have a lean right now, but I'm kind of leaning towards taking Minnesota with the points. Uh, but I don't know how that defense from Minnesota is going to fare going up against Lamar Jackson. Um, I don't know. Scotty, what do you think?
1: I think Dalvin is going to have a monster, monster game because uh, I, I, I think Marlon Humphrey is going to be shadowing uh, Justin Jefferson a lot. That will open up the two, uh, the two lanes for, uh, for Adam Thielen and K.J. Osborne. I think Dalvin cook is going to be able to catch the ball out of the backfield. And then you couple him with Alexander Madison. He's going to uh, take some of the snaps, but I think Dalvin cook has an absolutely monster game. I've got like. 140 ish yards and and two scores some way or another uh, for him. So uh, Dalvin cook's going to take over. I think most people in Minnesota are tired of watching Kirk cousins because it's either really, really good or really, really bad. And it's mostly really, really bad. So, uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the the Vikings to actually win outright in this game.
2: Wow, uh, it's six right? Six, six points spread. A part of me wants to say push exactly for Baltimore for some <laughs> reason that just sounds right like a missed extra point or a couple of field goals. But I'm gonna take Baltimore covering this. I think, uh, like you said, off a of bye, not only they're gonna win. I, I think we see some of the issues that they've had and they've overcome. Right, like. We talk about Hollywood Brown just finally getting in rhythm uh, after you know his his uh, inconsistent start to the season. I think Mark Andrews gets involved here. I think we're going to see the offense look a little bit more like itself uh, from last year. And I'm going to go with Baltimore high run offense and, and just getting it done.
0: So a lot Minnesota, of purple
2: in this game too.
0: A lot of purple. Uh, so Minnesota has not lost a game this year by less than six points, and or, or won a game. Every single score has been a one-possession game for the Vikings this year. Three-point game against Cincinnati, one-point game against Arizona, three – sorry, I stand corrected. I thought that was a two. It's actually a three. They did lose by 13 to Seattle. Um, But then one score to Cleveland, Detroit, Carolina, and then last week with the Cowboys. Uh, Baltimore is one of those teams that just always kind of has a letdown game, and they play down to to their competition a lot. I do think coming off the bye makes a difference – and I do think the Vikings coming off of a, a, a heartbreaking, kind of just a, a demoralizing loss. You lose to a backup quarterback of the Cowboys. Um, you know what? I'm gonna take, I'm going I'm gonna take Minnesota. Uh, I change, I changed mid thought. There's a lot of I mean that spread, that six points is a allies. lot. And, and just Minnesota has just they've played every team tough. They've played every game tough. And I, I think it continues this week. Uh, all right. Four o'clock window, we have the Los Angeles Chargers on the road in Philly. This is a fascinating matchup, right? Because the Chargers are a team that have looked so good at times this year, but then also like, what are you doing? Where was that mistake? They obviously cannot stop the run. I thought that game was more of a fluke going up against a good running attack and a great offensive line in Cleveland. Anybody can run on this Chargers team. And the Eagles are coming off of a game where they just ran the ball down the throats of Detroit. So I would imagine the Eagles approach this in a similar way, but the Eagles are 0 and three at home. Does that trend continue? The chargers are a one and a half point favorite. It's a tight line. So we're basically looking at a pick them here. I think the chargers get right. I think Darius Slay shuts down half the field, whether that's Keenan Allen or Mike Williams or whoever he's up against, but the Eagles are doing some things. They finally look like they have the, the sec, the, the linebacking core finalized. Uh, Fletcher Cox, who looked like he might get traded at the deadline did not. So he's still in Philly and he was very happy about it. Um, and the Eagles look like maybe they're starting to move forward a little bit, but I do think the Chargers are a tough team. I think Jalen hurts has a bad day. I think ultimately here, Jalen hurts makes a couple of mistakes against a good defensive team in the secondary. Throws a couple of picks. I have the chargers here winning. It could be a close game. I could see a field goal, maybe a touchdown, but I think the chargers win.
2: I'm with you. I think chargers get right here. I think, They've been, again, so inconsistent, but what Herbert has shown and, and just you've said it on the pod so many times, the way the Eagles defense, the strategy, how they're using people, I, I just, listen, I'm going to go with, with the Chargers here and, and just with their skill and with Herbert slinging it. I think they're always in a chance. I think Hertz does the same, but the ability to come back is so much greater on the Chargers side just because of the way they do it through the air. So I'm going to go with the Chargers.
1: And if you have a running back on either side of this matchup in your fantasy league, like good on you, because there's going to be a lot of rushing yards in this game.
0: Big Boston <laughs> Scott guy. Um,
1: well, that's the thing is, uh look it, for for say what you will about him, but Boston Scott had a great uh, a great game against a tough defensive yeah. line. But how about Jordan in, uh, Howard by Detroit. the Detroit? Remember and when Jordan, Jordan Howard, Howard, Howard was ball.
0: like a like his yeah. what was it, his second year in the league or first year when he was a Chicago thousand yard rusher, and then he was always good with the Eagles. And for whatever reason, nobody wants this guy. He gets injured. He's not super injury prone. But he just bounced, and he's stuck with the Eagles now. For This is his, I think, third season now, hanging around with the Eagles. Yeah. I, I actually like Jordan Howard in more of a downhill kind of scheme, which I hope the Eagles keep running. But
1: Yeah, so it, coming off of a game against Detroit where it was like, hey, you need to run the ball more, uh, and they ran the ball more, and look what happened. Yeah. Uh, I think they're going to have a big day on the ground. I, I don't think that they they cover the one and a half, though. I think the Chargers do get right. They just have too much more on offense and a better secondary Um, that can really confuse Jalen Hurts, like you said, Jeff. So uh, I'll take
0: the charges as well. And the chargers are used to playing road games because every single game for the chargers is a road game. The one aspect of this too, is I could hear like, Hey, they're running the ball a lot. So that means there's going to be something open for Jalen hurts. Well, the guy who's most likely going to be spying Jalen hurts from that outside linebacker spot is going to be Derwin James, who is probably the number one player in the NFL minus maybe Micah Parsons. And probably within the next couple of years, definitely will be Micah Parsons that I don't want to be spying a running quarterback. Cause Derwin James is just it's so hard. athletic. He's It's <laughs> it's hard to run on that guy. Now, if he's just constantly, when they do those read options, I was watching a breakdown of Jalen Hurts against the, you know, the Lions. Jalen Hurts was really disciplined in like, hey, the linebacker's there, right, because – for a little X's and O's breakdown for people who don't know, when you run that read option, right, you have one you have one person you're keying on as the quarterback. You're looking at, hey, I'm either going to hand the, the ball off or we're going to the right. If the linebacker, whoever's on the edge bites, then I'm going to take it because I have the step on the outside. If he stays home, I'm handing the ball off. We're going to take our four yards. We're going to march down the field. So if it turns into a, you know, time of possession game, like the Eagles have to have the ball for like, 40 minutes in this game to win so maybe they end up doing that but i I don't see it happening two weeks in a row so we're all on the chargers there uh but hey the eagles have done better when i've picked against them so let's hope that trend continues uh and by the way there's only three four o'clock games this week uh eagles the eagles are the, the eagles are 405 and then we have packers chiefs and cardinals niners at 425 uh they're just fun though i mean two of our teams are gonna be on their sky so we get a little more red zone action for our boys but it's not uh, fun <laughs> it's not fun. It's I'm not, playing it's not the fun. cardinals it needs it needs it needs to be like it needs to be at least five games every week we need fun,
2: to so. balance this out who do we talk to i'm, I'm writing the commissioner i'm Scott so fucking
0: pissed at this i'm gonna write him a strongly worded letter mr goodell You yes, sir I, I you're a stinky man Who's you have usurped served our me.
2: Sunday watching activities.
0: Your Anyone hairline who's... has gone back dramatically since you took over as commissioner. I would just roast you You're
2: tacky and I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> <It's
0: cool. laughs> Do you know my sister went to college with that guy? No, I didn't. So all right, we're oh, all, I went we're to college going...
2: with them too. Oh, wait, should he go to Penn? I always forget, oh, Amy, oh. did he go to Penn State? <laughs> Nobody tell my sister
0: you just said that. Uh, so we're going way off the rails here, but it's a funny story. So the kid from School of Rock, who was the you're tacky and I hate you kid. Uh, school of Rock was filmed at Wagner College, which is where my sister went to college. And uh, and when he was a kid filming, he fell in love with the school and was just like, I'm going to go to school here one day. And so when my sister was there, we were around the same age, and yeah, they were classmates. Small school, D1 up in uh, on Staten Island, the home of Pete Davidson and apparently Kim Kardashian. Y'all see that? Pete Davidson, Dude. Kim Kardashian. I yeah. would love her to join this couple. whole crew. Oh my god. Yeah, maybe we'll get my sister. MGK on because MGK and him are, are
2: tight time. too. MGK and, and Pete. This is. Fight.
0: I did not have Wagner College, Kim Kardashian, Pete Davidson on my uh, read option bingo card. Right in between no, it's the church <laughs> and Eagles <laughs>
2: and, and the 49ers and Cardinals. Yeah,
0: yeah it was not on, not the, on, was the, not on the rundown. <laughs> but hey, that's the beauty of what we do. Um, all right, Packers Chiefs, not as enticing as it was. Uh, or maybe it is, right? Because now I think this game's going to be a little bit more competitive. I still don't. I feel no better about the Chiefs after what I saw on Monday night, with the exception of. Mahomes, and I, so I have decided I'm exclusively a Manning cast guy now. Oh, 100%. And and, and, and it's so funny because when it first happened, everyone was just like, oh my God, the Manning cast, the Manning cast. And then like the zag to that was like, oh man, all of sports media is just all over the Manning cast now. And I was like, all right, well, I can't, I, no, like if those two are on there, the way they break down some of the stuff Mahomes is doing live with the short throws and like the timing route, like all that stuff was so much more interesting. I got way more out of it. And I was still, and I think too, like when you're as big of football fans, I think as we are like the clock management stuff, the stuff that the announcers say that maybe the casual fan doesn't pick up on or stuff that we're like, naturally just picking up on like right like the, like the two-minute drill at the end of the Monday night game with Daniel Jones I'm sitting there like what are you doing right like I didn't need Steve Levy and dumbass Brian Greasy I don't like Brian Greasy sorry uh, I don't need them to be like telling me that he
2: was my first quarterback I ever followed I had a poster in my room
0: I love Lewis Riddick I think Lewis Riddick should I think it's great I think it should just be Steve Levy and Lewis Riddick I don't think Brian Greasy should be on the call but you know, he's strong-armed ESPN because he and Levy did college games and now I'm getting too into the weeds again. Nonetheless, what I'm saying here is just the Manning cast gives you a chance to actually see some X's and O's things that if you're a football nerd that like, it just helps you understand better. And the way he was getting quick passes out, they definitely are teams are definitely eliminating the deep ball when it comes to Tyreek, when it comes to the outside stuff, especially without a Sammy Watkins there. And I think the chiefs did a really good job of getting the ball to Tyreek Hill and space and Tyreek Hill had a huge day. I think he had a hundred yards and a touchdown. Um, so Tyreek's getting open. The Travis Kelsey stuff is a bit alarming. I'm not going to lie. It seems as though, because tight ends, it happened to Ertz. It's, it's a cliff, man. Like, you're so good you're so good and then one day like boom it's just not there and i still think travis kelsey has some stuff there but with the lack of weapons and the lack of running game teams are just eliminating him And i don't know if he's quite the same guy he was a couple years ago where the double teams didn't matter he was still going to get open um no man that i being, still
2: think even when he was double teamed, though he got open a few times it was just like the pressure they were producing as well like they chose to double him to your point and let tyreek go I think there's going to come a time here where we're going to see some teams be like, "Ah, we'll we'll double Tyreek, and Kelsey's going to have a field day in the middle.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've still seen Kelsey have monster. I mean, until like the last two weeks, Kelsey still had like 75 yards every single game. So I'm not saying that he hit that wall yet, but like Zach Ertz went from breaking the record for catches in a season by tight end one year to all of a sudden is like, he's probably a mid-tier starting tight end. So like that cliff does come for tight ends Uh, quicker than it comes. I'm not saying it's there yet. I have Travis Kelsey on my fantasy team. I love Travis Kelsey. He's one of my favorite players in the NFL. But it's just a little bit alarming the last few weeks. So they have to get him going. Uh, And it's going to be a tough matchup to do that against the Packers, who the Packers defense has been playing really, really well. The way that they slowed down the Cardinals offense last Thursday night was impressive. But the Packers got a lot going on, and they have a rookie quarterback. The one thing going in their favor right now is that they're going up a team against a team that cannot stop the run at all they're going to have to play chris jones who was playing a little bit of that four technique more like a d end they slid him back down to your traditional three technique your traditional d tackle which helped against the giants but are they going to be able to do that against aaron jones and aj dylan and you know that the packers are going to run the shit out of the ball in this game
2: i'm listen i just think this will be close again without without rogers this whole team is totally different confidence wise and everything I'm, I'm 100% rolling with Kansas city. I'm excited to see what they do defensively to try and cause you're right. Listen, they're going to have to crowd the box and challenge a rookie quarterback to beat him over the top. and like, let's see what he's got. He, he was drafted for a reason, right? He can throw the ball, but is his timing right with these yeah. receivers and, and, you know, Rogers, listen, he, he takes all the reps. I mean, the backer gets a lot in preseason when he doesn't, he didn't, I don't, Rogers went late or whatever that was. So either way, I just see this as the fact that Kansas City can get right offensively. I think it's going to be a high scoring game um, in terms of, like, I really do, even though they got a rookie quarterback. Um, I'm excited to see Jordan Love, but I'll, I'll take Kansas City. What's the spread right now? Seven and a half. Yeah, I'll take Kansas City. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's a good call. I, I mean, I, I would be interested. I didn't look. Uh, I'd be interested to see what the spread was before all the Aaron Rodgers news. Because it, it was probably it was at least three, seven was, and a half the other way.
0: It was so actually because this is this game's in Kansas City. I think it was like two and a half to Green Bay.
1: Really, that's yep. interesting. Um, especially the way both those teams have people th- look.
0: People are, don't want to bet against Patrick Mahomes, so like they have to keep that spread tight. You know what I mean? Because Vegas yeah. is all about making money, so it's all about where are people going to spend their money. We're going to adjust our lines accordingly. You know, based off certain things. So at least that's a huge aspect of it. In addition to also trying to accurately predict the game.
1: Yeah, no, and, and so I think the, the Packers do what they did last week and, uh, on defense and, and shut down the big plays, and that, that was the strength of the Cardinals' offense, and, and a lot of those big, big plays got shut down, to particularly on the outside of DeAndre Hopkins and, and uh, guys like Christian Kirk and, uh, and A.J. Green, uh, nothing out of, really out of Zach Ertz, so uh, they, they forced them to run the ball, and they didn't run effectively with Kyler, uh, who's their best runner? So, um, I think the the Packers defense does more of the same against the Chiefs. Uh, and the Chiefs' big problem this year has been those explosive plays. By the way, uh, the Packers backup quarterback—did you guys see this? Blake Bortles uh,
0: he's gets on the a call. Yeah. He's he's
1: on the he's on the eighth hole of a of a golf course in Florida. He gets a call that uh, Aaron Rodgers went on the COVID list, and he reports to Green Bay. He he's staring down a double bogey on eight, and drops his clubs and leaves for Green Bay like That's can you believe- <laughs> I love <Blake> <laughs> it was such a great story. Uh the boat. <laughs> so I'm, I'd love to see oh. him play in this game. Um the boat yeah exactly. Uh no, I think I think the Packers defense is more of the same at least uh and and if nothing else keeps it close I think they cover the seven and a half.
0: I'm with you. I'm taking Green Bay here. I've actually and not not only am I taking Green Bay, I think they win this game I think Jordan Love looks good. I think Matt LaFleur, I mean already when you look about the when you look at the throws with the exception of like the three or four like highlight throws that we see rogers make every day the majority of this offense is a quarterback friendly offense right it's short throws yeah. it's quick and they get Devonte adams back they're also getting alan lazard back they're also getting Monte uh or uh ventus you know, mbs i'm not even gonna try uh, to scale yes yeah we're getting him back uh and i think without those two running backs i think Bay is going to do a pretty good job moving the ball and i just i jones catching it. the ball too I mean, I mean if, if increase touches through the air. If the Chiefs couldn't put up points through the air against the Giants, I think the Packers secondary is even better than the Giants. So I'm gonna. And, and if there's one cornerback who actually has the speed to match Tyree Kill, it's Eric Stokes, who's the rookie, you know, the mm-hmm. rookie out of Georgia. That kid can fly. I'm taking the Packers uh, to cover, and I think I think they might even mess around and win this game. Uh, two more NFL games uh sorry is there sorry three more nfl games not oh, my bad we have the monday night game uh cardinals niners niners are a one sorry the cardinals are a one point favorite shocking line here uh i think the cardinals well, have a big bounce back game here i think the cardinals win this one relatively easily same no
2: offense, i'm saying scott. cardinals cardinals easy this is free money
1: whoa 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 uh,
0: <laughs> i'm sorry scott i just this feels no, like I, a, this line feels like a reaction from what we saw against Green Bay. Yeah, I'm a it's man. also
1: it's also a, a question of because Kyler Murray did not practice today. I don't think it's anything injury related. I think it's just giving him the rest before the game. Uh, but Kyler Murray did not practice today, so one and a half uh, or two, whatever it is. Uh, I think Vegas one. is like, oh shit, just maybe one. Kyler isn't playing. Um, and then Carson Palmer is going to be court. But no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, man, I, look, the Niners have played well. Against uh, uh, against a good defense last week, Arizona's just got too much in the tank. I don't think the the Niners' offensive line is good enough to to stop the defensive line. Even without J.J. Watt, I think Isaiah Simmons creates a lot of problems, uh, especially if George Kittle comes back. Uh, that's going to be a one-on-one matchup you'll see most of the day, and I don't think the Niners' secondary can handle DeAndre Hopkins and, and covering Kyler Murray and stopping the run uh, and the throws out of the backfield with Chase Edmonds, so I'll take the Cardinals as well.
0: And I'll also throw this out there second time this year that Zach Ertz will be playing the Cardinals. I think he'll get a th- the, this is the first. Sorry, the Niners. He's
1: on the um, front. yeah. Yeah, he's on the Yeah. Cardinals. Week two they played the Eagles played the, the Niners. That's right.
0: And I think he'll even get a third chance, right? Because we'll the get time a third, yeah, because have have we haven't played yet. Beautiful. Yep. So watch out for Zach Ertz in these two matchups. Um, yeah, all right, we're all on the Cardinals. Uh the last game on Sunday, Titans, Rams. This game would be a lot more interesting if Derrick Henry was playing, but he's not. He had mm-hmm. surgery on Tuesday. Seems to be doing well. Uh, there's no timetable for his return, so hopefully we see uh, Tractor Seto at some point again this year. But uh, right now the Rams are a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, we've had a lot of close games this year on primetime, but I don't think this is this is going to be one of them. So uh, I'm going to take the Rams here. I think the Rams win handily, but you do have that sneaky little hook there at the end with the seven-and-a-half. So, uh, but I'm going to take the Rams anyway.
2: I'm taking Rams Vaughn gets actually gets to play. I think what's cool about seeing a a defensive like player like him, he's probably going to get 20 or 30 snaps where they're literally just going to send him in on third down and be like, go get that quarterback, buddy. You know what I mean? Like you don't need to adjust as much. Um, And and I, I'm excited for him to see that uh, with that whole defense. Yeah. I think, I think the Rams handle this pretty easily. I could see this getting out of hand actually.
1: Yeah, me too. Um, I think, uh, losing a guy like Derrick Henry, you know, injuries can oftentimes be galvanizing and, uh, and the team kind of rallies around um, how do we plug this hole? But Derrick Henry is a, a massive hole in that offense. And uh, you don't know what you're going to get out of Jeremy McNichols, although he is upside as a, as a, as a pass catcher out of the backfield. Um, and then really, I mean, Julio's practiced all week, but I think it's only because they're playing the Rams because you don't want on an offense to have your your only real receiving threat be AJ Brown against four guys who can in the secondary who can cover you well, all of them. Uh, so having a second guy out there at least, if Julio's is not a decoy, if anything else, uh, helps helps that uh, offense open up a little bit. But I don't think it's even close to enough. And I'll take the Rams at seven and a half.
0: I'm changing my pick. I'm taking the Titans. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. I'm taking them to cover? I'm taking them to cover. Whoa. I still think the Rams win, but Tannehill's still a good quarterback. I think they galvanize. I think I think you what? said it there, Scott. I think I think they're gonna be able to run the ball okay. Uh and AJ Bur- Brown. Yeah. I know that sounds okay. stupid, <laughs> but hey, I'm stupid. Hey, so check I never, your gut. Never, I never <laughs> once have claimed to be a smart man, Scott. Never once. Give me the Titans to cover the seven and a half. All right, Monday Boy, night, Chicago Bears. <laughs> On the road in Pittsburgh, Uh, another game that's going to be ugly. But I have a – this might be my favorite of the week. Pittsburgh Steelers are a a six-and-a-half-point favorite. That line is way too big. Justin Fields is going to come out on prime time and scramble around. The one thing that disrupts a good defense is a quarterback who can run because you can do everything perfectly, and he still can find a way to make positive yardage. And I think the Bears at least cover the six-and-a-half. Give me Chicago.
2: I think so too. I think him watching JJ watching JJ run after him and just to see the speed differential. I think people are going to see TJ, some of this weekend. TJ, <laughs> TJ, TJ. Yeah. Thank you. I knew right when I said I was like, wait, why is right, that some? Random. Right? Random. It's watt. a. There's a Watt. There's a Watt that's going to be running after him again. And uh, no, I think what's going to be cool is is uh, seeing the speed differential there. What? Look at. Listen, quarterbacks. So a lot of quarterbacks have good speed what Justin Fields also has is incredible acceleration. So watch when someone comes in the pocket, watch how fast he gets out and gets to top speed. I think he's going to have at least 50 yards rushing, probably two turnovers honestly, and he's going to find a way to at least cover, which to me that's all my money cares about.
1: Yeah, I think this defense is going to have to try to pick it up with uh with Melvin Ingram uh having been traded. Uh that was a that was a key cog in the uh in the the motor he's there now with the defense. chiefs yeah yeah um i don't want to do with another three in a row i picked against almost everyone in the a- in the uh, afc north no i took the browns ah screw it i'll leave the browns with the afc one north team though <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah you're gonna have give to give me the big one
0: all right we're <laughs> yeah. all in chicago all on chicago uh all right that's uh that's our picks i will update everybody on the standings before we get to our college football picks uh, in college football, uh, Scotty, you are twenty-four and three. You went three and three in college football picks last week.
1: Twenty-four and three. I'm uncatchable.
0: Sorry, twenty-four and twenty-three. Thank there you is. for correcting me. <laughs> uh, you went no. Three. I'll take the twenty-four. And I was three. looking at the three from the three and three, and then yeah, I'm. D- I just said I'm dumb. I'm an idiot. All right, you're not. Uh, uh, I went. I went one in five in college football last week with my lone win coming with Penn State covering the spread, which we both were on. Um, You're welcome. Vito, because you haven't picked college football and you haven't done picks in two weeks, mm-hmm. uh, you are 27 and 10 still in college football, so go fuck yourself. And uh, right. I am now 25 and 27, so I got some ground to catch up here. Uh, but again, I pick more games than everybody else, so I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, in the NFL, Scotty, you are 54, 52, and 1. Nice. Vito, you are 45 and 44 and one. And I am 60, 60 and one, just riding right. that 500 chain. So overall, Scotty, you are 78, 75 and one. Vito, you're an obnoxious. Vito, you're an obnoxious, 72, 54 and one. Let's go. And I have dropped below 500. I'm 85, 87 and one. But again, just pay attention to those numbers and how many more I have to pick than everybody else. Cause I think, uh. you know, I mean, it's still more efficient.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Brian's the Kevin Durant of, of the podcast.
2: I was yeah. going to call myself a like John Madden. He's got like the third highest winning percentage and has only coached like 10 seasons. Yeah. He's like, you know what? I'm
0: just going to talk about football. I'm going to quit while I'm ahead here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Now, college football, not a great slate of games this weekend, but there are some sneaky fun ones. So uh, we're going to start here. ACC matchup. We just talked We talked a bunch about Wake Forest. They're undefeated 8-0. They are an underdog on the road against the four and four North Carolina Tar Heels, a team that can put up some monster numbers. Everyone's kind of dumping on Sam Howell. Sam Howell statistically is basically having the exact same season he did last year. So for all the people that liked Sam Howell last year and now it's like, oh, Sam Howell's not, no, Sam Howell's still a really good quarterback. I still think he'll probably go in the top 10 this year's draft. Uh, UNC is a two and a half point favorite at home Welcoming the undefeated Wake Forest Demon Deacons, the first real test for Wake Forest, in my estimation. Where are you guys leaning? I uh,
1: I I really like the uh, that Sam Hartman uh, is just slinging the ball all over the pitch, um, and and man, what a story too! I saw one of that a couple of weeks ago. His uh, his college, he was a feature of the college game day. Uh, the the uh, the sad story that they do every uh, every college game day and had me in tears. So I'm rooting for that kid uh, just because of what he's gone through. So uh, I'll take I'll take Sam Hartman and uh, and Wake Forest to keep the uh, the Cinderella story alive.
2: I agree. I think the UNC defense has been very suspect. I agree. Their offense can score, but so can Wake Forest. So I'm, I'm going to go with Wake Forest in a close one, but. Um, I, I honestly don't know if they win or just cover, but this is going to be close and I, I'll take Wake Forest.
0: This game. I mean, this is going to be a flat out shootout, right? I mean, wait, North Carolina just put up like what 48 or whatever they did against North, Notre Dame last week, a good Notre Dame defense. Uh, I have North Carolina winning this one. I think the expectations have, I mean, it's it's easy to be the plucky underdog when you're Wake Forest, right? The, the team that had never been in the top 10 before. And now all of a sudden they're, they're eight. zero, and we have to give them respect and they're number nine in the eight in the college ball playoff ranking and, and all this stuff. And now they're going to get a real test against a really, really good offense. And I don't think either defense has a good day. The over under is at 76 and a half. Uh, and I would honestly take the over there. Cause I think I, was this, gonna I, say too. I think yeah, this, I think this is going to be super high scoring. Uh, and, and I think UNC does enough to, to, to cover it. And, and look, it, it, it come, if it comes down to a field goal, right, three point game, two and a three-point game, two-and-a-half is not a crazy line to cover. I think North Carolina wins it. Uh, Michigan State, number three in the college football playoff. They are on the road going up against Purdue. This is a sneaky, hard game for Michigan Rap State. game. <laughs> Purdue, they uh, knock off Iowa. They come back the next week. They have a letdown game against Wisconsin. They're not ranked in the top 25 in the first playoff ranking, but Purdue also has one of the best wide receivers in college football in David Bell. Michigan State's biggest weakness, as we saw last week, is the secondary. They can stop the run. I don't think they're going to be able to stop the pass. I actually think there's a really good chance Michigan State gets upset this week, and it's only a three-point line right now. Michigan State is a three-point favorite on the road. We know Purdue's not always the easiest place to play. I'm leaning towards picking the upset, but I want to hear what y'all's thoughts are on it before I pick
2: Michigan state all day. This is no brainer. Take the money and run. I, yeah. I, I urge everyone to bet on this. Yeah. Well, I,
1: I don't think Purdue's run defense is, is their strength either. And I think Kenneth Walker is going to run all over this, uh, this Purdue defense, uh, more than the uh, than the Purdue receivers will uh, will fly all over the the Michigan State secondary. That's the big advantage. Uh, he's a Heisman candidate for a reason. Uh, just, uh, just give him the ball every freaking play and just let him work. Eight of three is going to win this game more, by more than three. So yeah, I'll take Sparty.
0: I really, really want to take Purdue. Go ahead. I, I really do. Great little
1: quarterbacks. West Lafayette on a Saturday afternoon.
0: Give me the makers. Hey, wow. there he is.
2: Got a around.
0: <laughs> I'm, I, I do. My my college football. I'm either going to set myself even further behind. You're. I mean, don't get me wrong. The, the biggest thing that's sitting in my mind is the letdown aspect of it. Right? Michigan State finally gets their first big win. Right? And they have a letdown. Michigan and Purdue just did the same thing last week against Wisconsin. They got something they got to prove. They want to prove that that Wisconsin wasn't a fluke. And David Bell, I'm telling you, if you haven't watched him, watch him he will be a first round pick in the draft next year that kid is awesome playing in an offense I, I just yeah no i'm just I, I don't love it but i'm gonna take purdue i think purdue i think purdue covers plus they get the three points i get the three points anyway so if i if i get the three points it ends up being a tight game or something or a field goal and to push then i'll take that too uh auburn texas a&m at texas a&m a&m's a four and a and a 45 point favorite at home right now uh auburn is a team that I'm telling you, like, I don't know what it is about them. They just got this weird vibe. I could see them losing this game and still upsetting Alabama. Right. I, and mm-hmm. I though Texas a has looked better since they beat Alabama. They still haven't looked great. Uh, and, and right now I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards Auburn. I'm getting a four and a half there. So I'm going to take the tigers. I think that I, I think they could lose, but I think it's going to be a close game. And, uh, and after the way Auburn looked last week, Shutting down Matt Corral and that old Miss offense, yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan right now. I'm going to take uh, Auburn.
1: So I'm on the fence because uh, Auburn's a team that I should be rooting for uh, because we beat them in the uh, early part of the season here, but it's also a team that is now ranked ahead of us uh because they have one less loss than us despite the fact that we won and but so head to head does or does not matter to the but you have one more i'm loss. not gonna get it i'm not gonna get on the soapbox it doesn't matter uh you in shouldn't any case get on the
2: soapbox we shouldn't <laughs> be above that we suck i don't know <laughs> uh, why
1: you're
0: even talking about us there's, <laughs> there's two
1: teams ahead of us there's two teams ahead of us who we beat so anyway um but the point is that i think auburn is a much better team than uh than, Wait, who's the other uh, team
0: that penn state beat that's ahead of you Wisconsin.
1: Oh Wisconsin! Uh, so yeah. um, Penn
0: State should be where Wisconsin is. And, and that, that it's yeah. ridiculous that Penn State doesn't matter. It,
1: it's not going to matter at the end of the day. So I don't care. We're not going to Pasadena or nothing. So I don't give a shit. I'm not going to the pinstripe bowl in New York. Honestly, anyway, if you
0: hear, wait, 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 real good spin zone for you, though. Penn State losing unranked or sorry, Penn State beating like Michigan or Michigan State unranked would hurt their resume more than if you were ranked. So honestly, maybe, oh, yeah. it's, a, maybe it's a good thing that you're unranked. You guys can be the, the party crashers a little harder. Sorry, go ahead
1: fantastic uh so uh and we help Cincinnati so uh go us uh but uh i'm going to take i'm gonna take the tigers yeah this feels like a game that they could roll into college station and and uh and mess with the 12th man and uh and jimbo fisher a little bit they they play tough against a a, a tough big Ten defense uh, and i don't think that a m is uh is is that good even though they they played really well against uh, alabama that was early in the year give me uh auburn to cover it four and a half
2: all right, well, for me, I, I, I'm leaning towards a just at home. I, I really do like Auburn. Um, big fan of what they did. I think they could have beaten us, and they probably should have if they just would have ran the damn ball to the right side of their line. But um, whatever. I, there's something about a and This team has something. They, they beat Bama. They, right. They, they have something. At home, College Station, fans back. They won last year against Auburn. But I don't know if they can do it again. Four and a half is a is a decent amount of points. Um no, nah, I'm taking AM. I'm taking A M. It's just a gut. I can't even tell you why. I couldn't even I, I like Auburn. I've seen them play more. It's just a gut thing.
0: Yeah. Man, the more I'm thinking about it, I mean their last three weeks, 41 on Alabama, 35 to 14 against Mizzou. And forty-four to fourteen in South Carolina. They haven't played anybody tough. Meanwhile, Auburn has played a gauntlet of a schedule, and they've been in every, even in games that they've lost, they've been in every game. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. It feels, it feel. I mean, the two, I mean, they, the two losses Texas and them have are to Arkansas, where Arkansas just bullied them, and against Mississippi State. I think when they play good teams, they struggle. And Alabama's defense, I don't know what was going on. I don't know what was in the water that day, but they were just able to move it. And I like Zach Calzada, but I think they're going to struggle against Auburn. I'm going to hang put on my take, on my, on my pick here with Auburn, but I, I was I was close to switching there. I'm not going to lie. Um, all right, we got two more here. This is a fun one. A pair of guys you might see go on the opening night, of the NFL draft. Liberty. And Malik Willis, 7-2, on the road going to Ole Miss to take on Matt Corral and the running Rebs. Uh, Miss, Ole Miss is a nine-and-a-half-point favorite at home. I'm excited for this game because we're going to see – there there will be more NFL scouts at this game than at any other game in college football this year. And I want to see what Malik, what Malik Willis can do, man. And there, you also got to factor in, too, the Hugh Freeze going back to – to Ole Miss, right, the the home of all of his allegations and the prostitute scandal and all the other shit he had going on there, paying players. This is a really – there's a lot of storylines here. And I want to see head-to-head who plays better, Matt Corral or Malik Willis. So, uh, I'm going to pick Ole Miss. I think coming off of a bad loss, I think – uh Ole Miss is, is a really good team still. And I think Matt Corral is still a really good quarterback. And I think they get the job done because I just don't think Liberty has the horses to hang in the trenches. So I'm going to take uh, Ole Miss here to cover the nine and a half.
2: I'm, I'm going to as well. I think uh, when you look at Liberty, they've been able to put up some points, but they've also, like, they haven't played a defense like this. And, and they have a, actually, after this game, that to go play the Raging Cajuns in Louisiana. They uh, get them at home. But still, and then they have Army. This is a tough... Playing tonight, too,
1: right? Louisiana. Yeah, they're about to kick off. Anyway.
2: Oh, oh, they're playing tonight, yeah. But I- I'm just saying against Liberty, I- I- I'm I, with you, Jeff. I think this is... I'm really excited to see the Liberty offense. I, I really am. It's going to be fun, but I do think that uh, they don't get it done at the end of the day. Um, could they cover? <clears throat> Maybe, what would you say was? Nine and a half? Nine and a half. Anytime it's that close to another interval, right? Like, so seven or ten, I just it kind of makes me want to bet the other way. So I'll, I'll stay with, uh, I'll stay with Ole Miss and, and get them to cover 10, nine and a half. So they get 10 or more. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I don't know if the the Liberty defense has the answer for Matt Corral, who's the leading passer and the leading rusher on that team. But, uh, I believe in the talent of of Malik Willis. And I believe that he's going to go out there and, and score and, uh, nine and a half is a lot even to go into an sec, uh, sec stadium on a saturday night and win uh or saturday afternoon and win rather and uh give me the flames i'll take them
0: Ooh. i like yeah i i like that i'm excited to watch malik willis on the national broadcast one where i'm not digging Same. up like like deep highlights and shit you know what i mean like i'm excited it's to good camera to it.
2: angles yeah we actually have a goal line view you know what i mean yeah.
0: <laughs> it's good yeah it's gonna be it's not on flow sports again anyway i can rip the cia in this pot i'm gonna rip them because flow sports fucking sucks <laughs> bullshit streaming rights there uh last one here in my opinion one of the most underrated rivalries in all of college football the oregon ducks are going to washington the civil war this is a no this is an
1: civil war is oregon state
0: yeah oregon oregon state uh would you say washington i didn't even yeah oregon oregon and washington yeah uh this is i love this this rivalry it's also sneakily the one of the best color rivalries the green and yellow against the purple and gold. I, I, I think it's always fun. And I work with Brock Huard, who played quarterback at Washington. And one of the things I've learned from him and also working with guys like Ryan Leaf and guys who were out in the Pac-12 and played at Washington, it is one of the hardest places to play in all of college football. It, it legitimately is. And it, I know you're shaking your head, Vito. But, no, it, it, it legitimately is. The, that crowd gets insane for games. It's almost got a little bit of that Seahawk energy to it, you know, because it's right there in Seattle. Uh, this game in Husky Stadium, right on the water, also one of the most beautiful stadiums in college football. I think that place is going to be rocking. And Washington had high expectations coming into this game. And Jimmy Lake, like, they need to prove something here. This is Washington Super Bowl. And right now, Oregon is a seven-point favorite on the road. And Oregon has played a lot of tight games this year when it comes to you know going up against other Pac-12 teams. Washington's got the guys to hang with them. I think Washington covers the seven. And I think we might even see an upset here that'll knock Oregon out of the conversation for a college football playoff. So give me the Huskies to cover the seven.
2: Oof. I'm taking Oregon. I'm running. I'm 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 give me those, give me those shoe dog Nike cleats and I'm I'm taking off and running off with my uh with my points here. I'll, I'll take them to cover. Maybe it's a push, but man, I, I just, I don't think that the Huskies can hang with them. That's just my opinion. I, I really like this Oregon team and the depth. They have offense offensive defense. Like they are complete. They're one of the few teams in college. I feel like we talk about that are actually, I feel like more complete than maybe even the stat show. Um, I, I'm excited to see it. And uh, yeah, I, I, it's a good matchup. And I agree a good rivalry and a quick story about it is I, I, you guys know, every year I go out to Washington, Eastern Washington state, go to a music festival at the gorge, have a blast. And every time it's four schools that show up because it's right after quarters, like uh, any school and quarter system. It's right after their finals week. And it's Oregon, Oregon State, Washington, Washington State. And it's wild. And I'll tell you what, Cougar fans, Washington State, they just party. They're the most fun, the craziest. UW fans are kind of like, try to be the preppiest, whatever. Oregon fans are kind of more chill and Oregon State fans are a little... Uh, they're. I don't know, just indifferent, I would say. But without a doubt, out of all of those fans and all these people that are close together, the Oregon and Washington fans talk more shit to each other and hate each other more than any of those other schools. And Mm -hmm. this whole like Pacific Northwest, I agree with you, the rivalry is there. It should be close, but I think Oregon can... It's, it's two
0: big brothers, man. Like, like Oregon's the big yeah. brother to Oregon state. Washington's the big brother to Washington state. And it's almost always that way with the exception of a handful of years, where you get a Gardner Minshew at Washington state with Mike Leach where they're actually a good team. Right. So it, that, that's awesome. I love that.
1: Yeah. That's a cool story. Um, yeah, no, that sounds like a lot of fun actually. Cool, uh, no, cool, I cool story, cool story, bro. You know, uh, no, I know. I, I look, I'm doing this for, for my family who are ducks fans. Oregon has dominated this series over the last 16. They've won 14. Uh, The only two times they lost were when Washington was ranked in the top 12. Uh, Look, Oregon is, is, I think they're, they're rejuvenated. I think they were probably sitting there on Tuesday night watching the college football playoff reveal being like, Oh my God, we're going to be, they found themselves in the top four. Guess what? Now they're galvanized. They're going to rally around this point and just beat the living crap out of everyone else in the pac 12 uh, give me the ducks, uh, to very well cover and definitely win this game.
0: All right. We'll see. I am very different than you guys here. So I'm either going to make up a lot of ground in college football or, uh, I'm just furthering the gap, but, uh, look, long pod today. We had a lot we had to get to in the beginning. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, I know we definitely did. It was a lot of fun getting into all that different stuff. And, um, I look forward to a great, great weekend of football. So, uh, I'll give you guys my update from my first Penn State game, even though you guys probably won't count it as my actual first Penn State game. But hey, I'll be there. Who's the real Penn State fan? I'm seeing them in person this weekend. All right. Who's the real Penn State fan here? I think we all know. We all know who it is. Uh, I think we do. (laughs) (laughs) For Scotty, for Vito, I'm Jeff. Have a wonderful weekend. We will talk to you guys next week. Enjoy the football. And as always, take it easy, everybody.